Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan. This week we discuss... This is 10 years old! We're so old! Ah! Hello everyone, welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan, a weekly Marvel recap podcast where we try to figure out just who and what is going on in this cinematic universe. If you will, please take a moment to smash that like button and subscribe to keep up with MCU news and reviews. My name is Tyler Borland and with me always is Danny Vincent. And with us not always is someone else. What the heck? Why, why is someone invading our Zoom studio that we're doing over Skype? What's going on here? Who are you? We we do have a guest, <laughs> but tell everyone. <laughs> yeah, sorry for uh, for just like jumping into this Microsoft Google Meets with you guys. Um, I just was typing random numbers in, and then suddenly yeah, you ended here. up in our Discord. Um, but I am uh, Drew Hayden. Uh, I live in Louisville, Kentucky. I've been friends with Danny for a very long time, uh, probably. And longer than Thor, we saw Thor. Too. Yeah, we saw. That's why I brought um, you on. So I was like, I saw Thor with this guy. Right. It's it's like it writes itself. Yeah, ten years ago. Oh God, we're old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, too old. We're all dying. All right. Uh, so Drew, for well, before I ask you the questions we have listed for you as our intro, what do you do? What's your life like? Tell us a bit about yourself. Oh, so um, I'm a glorified babysitter. Um, I'm a orchestra teacher down here in the Louisville Public Schools. Um, I love my job very much and never want to punch walls. <laughs> good. good. Uh, you should watch. Uh, I, I've been saying this to you over text, but I'm going to have it on the record here is that I don't know if you know, but this podcast has been actually about soul for the last two months. So you need to watch it. <laughs> but it also relates to your job. Um, that's why I bring that up. <laughs> because of because of uh, COVID and stuff, all of, my, all of my lessons are actually asynchronous. Um, and I don't want to rip the entire movie of Soul and then upload it to Google Classroom <laughs> and then make a google form for my students to Disney, fill out please don't that sue us. feels like that <laughs> that that would be dubious at best in terms of legality and uh, even more dubious in terms of actual education and also not that they care not that they care about what happens also it'd be a pretty pretty dubious because uh this is a marvel podcast <laughs> and uh, yeah. disney would sue uh, us what is disney the- would sue us ah all right. right so we have three questions for you three marvel questions is your intro that's that's not. Uh, yeah, you're lucky because from that. everyone on for, else that will be guesting from, they'll have four. All right, they're gonna have four questions. Deal with it. But your first question is, what is your favorite Marvel movie? Now, here's the deal: you can pick a non MCU movie, but if you do, I'm gonna also ask for your favorite MCU movie. So you might want to just save your time. Um, I, I this is a very unspicy take. This is like seasoned with only salt and pepper. Uh, but Thor Ragnarok, nice. is yeah. is way up there. Big fan of Taika. So uh, with you. Hunt for the Wilder People is, uh, I hesitate to say perfect, but I'm going to say perfect. Did I tell you, uh, uh, I actually made Tyler watch that on the night of his uh, wedding shower. Yeah. Uh, you can, yeah. Yeah. It was a good time. So it's, it's, it's yeah, a good he, one. It's, yeah, it's a good one. Up, uh, it was on Hulu at that time. Because um, I think now it's on right, Netflix. That's, that's, uh, 
sure hops it is. around a lot. And if yeah, <laughs> if you for some reason listen to this podcast um, and have Netflix, you should definitely watch it if you haven't, or even if you have, because it's very good. Also, honestly, you should do that with Thor Ragnarok because it's very good. Too. Honestly, uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. I don't even feel like like if it's not on Netflix, rent it for three bucks. It's it's definitely worth three dollars. Oh yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's worth three bucks. Buy the Blu-ray. Yeah, honestly, I think the Blu-ray is pretty... I should pick up the Blu-ray. I don't think it's too expensive. Anyways, Probably so, not. for Ragnarok, all right. Uh, your second question is the most important question here, which is, is WandaVision good? <laughs> <laughs> Parts of it. Um, not enough Vision. Um, not enough Darcy. Darcy? We're going to talk about her a lot in this. Um, well, maybe not more Darcy, but like... Not, her not being written uh, out think, of the finale type of thing right um and i know I, this is an unpopular opinion but i actually really like i think it was like episode four after they done like the first couple and then they went into the randall park like, stuff the sort yeah. yeah i thought that was like a very like I just, I just felt like finally i was getting some answers like i know ooh, mysteries they're going i want answers I do not have time for your mysteries. Tell me, tell me enough to keep me going. If you, if, if you just keep going forever and ever, I will get bored and think I'm never going to get answers. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, I don't actually think, no offense. I don't think, at least among us, I don't think that's too hot of take. I think we both like the fourth episode to mm-hmm. a decent degree. We just right. think the and fifth I, episode overshadows it a ton. <laughs> um, I, I like, I think there was some really good stuff in there um but the the ending is just real bad real like if it, it feels like a first draft that someone for some but reason decided to go and have shoot you heard about the ship of theseus publish. i have yes i actually knew that uh much longer oh before when, when vision said it you're it like ah oh, great this guy again <laughs> <laughs> um though i actually i do like that um, how how that was handled? I think that part of Vision was handled well because, like, yeah, he's he's a smart dude, and he would probably try to avoid fighting if he could, yeah. especially when he's fighting himself. Right? Yeah, I yeah, and he would he would know how he would. Think. I get the uh, I get this isn't a Wandavision episode, but I always do get like the complaints about the finale of Wandavision, even though to me the only really glaring stuff is how the sword people ultimately don't matter, and uh, of course Monica's line. <laughs> <laughs> that that really bad Monica line, uh, but I I don't know why I'm saying this because this is the ask Drew questions time. That Danny tells Drew his opinions to the questions he made him ask him. Because if I do that every time I ask someone this question, I'm going to just keep saying the same talking points over and over again. No one's going to ever listen to us, and then everyone will turn off our podcast. Moving on, we'll... Drew. Do you like Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, or Tobey Maguire? Um. So I have to say I've never actually watched an Andrew Garfield. Spider-Man movie. Same, same. Um, I haven't watched them, um, and I have a soft spot in my heart for Tobey Maguire. But I also think that Tom Holland. Um, I, I know that Tom Holland is not particularly loved on this podcast, and I happen to sort of disagree with you. I think that he is fun. I think he is the perfect Spider-Man for the universe that he mm. is in, um, and I think that. He's a good Spider-Man. I think Tobey Maguire might be a better Peter Parker. Mm. That's fair. I, I yeah, go yeah. Because um, he he really captures that humanness, which is something that I feel like uh, the Sam Raimi universe kind of does a better job of. Um, Spider-Man is, I think, the only person with a secret identity in in Marvel, and they just don't 
deal with that a whole lot other than just like the far from home ending this is a cute girl oh but you have to go do a thing you can't do both because it's like it's it's kind of like the lowest tier use of the secret identity yeah like the arthur episode where francine has to go to the bar mitzvah but she also has to go to the bowling tournament sure (laughs) don't don't get him started on arthur follow that up what is the best spider-man movie in your mind Spider-Man 2. Bad answer by Darren's count. But I'll accept it. Well, I mean, they only made the two. You had Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, and then... Um, then they rebooted it with Amazing was Spider-Man. That died, but they, they di- someone important died in transportation Well, to the first day of shooting Spider-Man 3, <laughs> so it just never got made. Oh, okay. I was... <laughs> really sad. Well... Super tragic. Spider-Man 2 is the second best Spider-Man movie in my book, but Spider-Man 2 is, like, one of the few answers I'll accept, so you pass. Now your last quote. I mean, there, there's only so many options. There's ten. There's ten Spider Man movies. Many. I have a letterbox list of Spider Man movies. <laughs> that doesn't surprise yeah. me. <laughs> uh, Spider Man Two is number two on it. Uh, all right. So your last question isn't really a question. It's for the next guest on this podcast. What question do you want to ask them? If they had to defend their least favorite Marvel film. What would they say? <laughs> oh, that's a good that's a question because yeah. I know who we're having on next, and I know what his least favorite Marvel movie is, so I'm very excited. So now we're moving on to our MCU news. Before we get to it, though, I presume I'm the only person here who watched them this week's Marvel Assembled, which is the behind-the-scenes documentary. Both of you are nodding. Yeah, be correct. Yeah, okay, like both of you are nodding your head on the podcast. I don't know how you expect that to work. Uh, <laughs> no, <very laughs> uh, just feel the vibe. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what's my take on it? Uh, well, first, I like that Disney does invest in these behind-the-scenes documentaries that are hour-long. Uh, because I think uh, BTS is sorely lacking these days, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, the fact that Marvel's investing... Well, Disney's investing, because they do it for Star Wars also. And they did a Frozen 2 one. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, but speaking of Frozen 2, uh, watching this reminded me of what I would imagine watching the Frozen 2 documentary would be like, which is which is where they keep going, like, we really cracked this idea, and it works beautifully. I'm like, no, it doesn't. You're <laughs> wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah. That, this is the best piece of, of crap we have ever made. Yeah. Look at how well it is. Yeah. How good it, it is. It's Sorry, just like, <laughs> it's really, um, it's, it's, I liked how in-depth it was, but I don't really want to <laughs> Falcon Winter Soldier, it's in the past. We never can talk about it again until Captain America 4 comes out. Um, all right, moving on. We have our two pieces of news from last week that we lost in the great audio destruction of 2021. Uh, <laughs> our first bit of news is that Emilia Clark and Olivia Coleman have joined Secret Invasion. Now, Tyler, do your thing, and then we'll discuss the news. All right, so the rumored plot for this show is that it's a faction of Skrulls has been quietly invading Earth since their arrival on the planet in 1995, circa Captain Marvel events. Um, I'm thinking maybe Clark will play an antagonist role in Secret Invasion. Uh, not really sure. MC, I think MCU could use more female villains and well-written villains at that. All right. Now, before we really get in, sorry, Drew, I'm not going to let you talk ever on the show. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I want to give my Amelia Clark story Fine. that we uh, lost in the great audio fire of last year, last week. Actually, you can't engage in this because this is what I wanted to talk to you about. Also, uh, so I feel so important. Do you remember so the most monumental 
sad day of my summer in 2017. Because I remember it vividly. Uh, you and I were going to one of our movies. Cause we went to movies like weekly that month, year because I had movie passed. And yeah, we went, and I didn't, and I should have gotten you, it. In you really should have. <laughs> uh, and we saw the A24 horror movie. It comes at night. But do you remember? We sure did. But do you remember what we talked about for the entire half hour before the movie began? Because I remember that more than the movie itself. No, I don't. Well, that was the day that Phil Lord and Chris Miller were fired from Solo, a Star Wars story. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. I, I do remember <laughs> your deep on the over there. I was very crushed. But it went for months. It was endless. Yeah, but you Boundless. were but you were there on the Profound. first day. That was the like the news literally broke and then we had to go see it comes that night because we well we didn't have to, but I wasn't gonna cancel on you. That'd be like I literally was about to leave my house and the news broke and I was like, ah oh. <laughs> So uh but anyway, it comes at night. Very average movie. Uh, but you know what's more average? The Ron Howard cut of Solo Star Wars Story. Release Lord Miller cut. Uh, hashtag. Uh, but more, okay. But relating to this, is I don't like Amelia Clark. And I feel bad because every time I've seen her in something, I actually do like her performances. But I can't forgive her for Solo. Because she went on the record when she was doing uh, press for Solo. And she was there like, you know you know press interviews and all that and at one point she was like yeah the other guys who were on they kept telling me to act more noir that's not a that's not a direction and i'm like yeah it is it totally is a direction yeah if, if i was on a state and like if tyler was directing me in a show at siu if someone told me if he was like act more noir i'd be like oh okay i can do that like right it's not a hard direction yeah just smoke more cigarettes exactly yeah space <laughs> cigarettes it's star wars give me some space cigarettes uh, some death sticks i think you mean hey, you don't want to buy any death sticks <laughs> just the lightsaber <laughs> cigarettes uh but no no that's why i don't like amelia clark which is a shame because i really like her in like last christmas which is like the rom-com she was in mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. but i think that's really the only thing i saw her in i've uh, i've not seen last christmas i've seen uh the romantic drama with amelia clark <laughs> and then of course yeah game of thrones um, I think she's fantastic in, gla in gl Glam of Thrones. Wow, <laughs> in Game of Thrones. Really love what they did in, uh, in yeah, that last in, season. In there. The 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 last. Well, season yeah, yeah. Is we need more. We need more female villains. Definitely, uh, writing <laughs> is. Uh, I yeah. <laughs> season eight. I, I'm coming out with a new podcast. The season eight Game of Thrones podcast where we just dish. No, is it when Josh Thanos shows up and uh, takes? You know, over? honestly, Josh Thanos <laughs> could have showed up and it would have been ten times better. Ten times better. But, uh... Uh, my take on your take, and then Drew will obviously ask for your take, because you're not supposed to just sit here. I apologize. Well, it's right. not... No, okay, I think you'd agree with me here, because you know... Tyler doesn't know who Olivia Colman is. We'll, we'll, we'll just be very blunt about that. Sorry, Tyler. Uh, no, we're gonna fine. let everyone know that. Uh, Amelia Clark to me, I like her more when she's being goofy, and I would like her in more of a charismatic, funny role. Uh, whereas I would like Olivia Colman to go against type and play a bad guy. Mm. I feel like I always see Olivia Coleman as the funny person, uh, the funny sidekick. I would rather see her be like the queen of the the insurgent scrolls or something like that. So she actually did play a bad guy in 
uh, series five, episode one of Doctor Who called the Eleventh Hour. No, whoops. Um, but was she? Yeah. Was, like, wasn't she? I feel like I've heard of that episode. I think that's is that, yes. It's the first one with Matt. Smith. Yeah. So it's a yeah. Oh, I think I've seen it then. It, I, I just don't. You probably yeah, have. You probably showed it to me. It's a uh, ten years ago. It's a, it's a important one. Uh, um, I mean, it could have been probably not. Te- no, it would have been. It would have at most been like nine years ago. What was your uh, what's your opinion on Amelia Clark and Olivia Coleman joining a Disney Plus show about Sprawls and Nick Fury? Um, Olivia Clark should be in everything, and Amelia Clark, cool. Yeah, and that's that's about all the feelings I have. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I do like I I feel like these are both big actors for TV. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, miniseries. If it's gonna be like what. Falcon and Winter Soldier was if it's like six episodes. If it's gonna be bad. <laughs> well, okay. No, I'm just talking about episode format. I'm not saying if it's gonna be good or bad. No, that's up to them. Um, but uh but yeah, if it's gonna be six six episodes I don't I don't I don't know. I, I don't have don't have much to add add to that. I I guess it's just gonna be a wait and see. What if it's a million episodes long? It just never ends. And Olivia <laughs> Coleman is trapped in the Marvel Studios back lot. Yeah, she has her Oscar trying to knock off the door handle. Let <laughs> <laughs> me out. That's that's gonna be is the mid credit scene of every she's episode. The first, like, she's the first like young Oscar winner, I feel like, to join these, right? Now Daniel Kalua has one, but I can't think Yeah. But because that doesn't mean he joined it. Like he was already here. Yeah. Uh okay. I'm trying to think Oh, duh, Brie Larson. I can't believe I ever got it. Yeah, Brie Larson's the first. She she, she has, has a, yeah. She has it for room. Great movie. Highly recommend if you haven't oh. seen. Very sad movie. I, have, I've, I don't think I have. Yeah, uh, it's actually a good movie because I know you said you have a sometimes you have problem problem paying attention to movies. Uh, it very clearly has two acts. Like it's a two. No, like you could pause it halfway. When through. I said when I said that, that was specifically in reference to watching films in the French language. Oh, <laughs> well, you could watch that's, the room. That's dog. what I meant. <laughs> that's very much what i meant when i said that if you watch have um, you made it from blue is the warmest color yet the three hour long uh, french lesbian movie um i mean i've i've watched it in english and i, I bought it on on criteria oh yeah i, for, I uh, forgot you've actually shown me your criteria movie. but but my um my qualm is that it doesn't have french subs and i want the french mm. subs it's really it only weird. Has english subs yeah. yeah and i i have an i have a lucien okay um which is a French New Wave uh, Melville film, and it also does not have French subs. That's really weird. Like, huh? It's it's only English. Huh? It's very strange, and I'm not a fan. You both Criterion. That's yeah. really weird. Like, Criterion. I... Yeah, I could go get them and show it to you. Now that that helps for the podcast. Yeah. Well, I I believe you. Uh, I I don't need to be proven it's, wrong on it. It's it's very strange, and you would think that Criterion, which is the, like the highest quality of Right? everything now i'm wondering um would would at least have subs in other languages yeah well not not even for me just for like people who don't speak english and want to watch criteria well, now i'm really curious because uh as i'm sure you've heard me talk about several times and i probably paced my stupid about it too it's my favorite movie last year was sound of metal and they've already announced it's getting a criterion uh and the deal of that movie is the subtitles are hard coded on it because the subtitles are part of the storytelling because it's about someone going deaf mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm curious if the Criterion, I would imagine if the Criterion offers separate language tracks for that movie, they should definitely offer separate subtitle tracks too. Cause the entire point of right. the film is not the entire point, but a big point of the film is the subtitles. I wouldn't be surprised if that film already has those versions. Though. Yeah. Well, 
I don't know if you remember my my. I don't even remember I talked about it on here. Is that Amazon doesn't tell you you're supposed to turn on the subtitles for that movie, and that gets me really mad. Uh, because it is. I saw it in theaters like in Chicago, like during the pandemic, like like a few weeks ago, and it had subs on it in the theater. But yet on Amazon, you can watch right. it without the subs, and that gets me mad. Anyway. Uh, we can move on to our next bit of news. So do you have any news about, like, I don't know, Spider-Verse or something? Yeah, I have news about the best Spider-Man movie that's better than Spider-Man 2. Tipping my hat. Uh, tipping my hand there. Uh, yeah, the directors were announced. Uh, this is another bit of news we had from last week, but we're going to we move to this week. The directors of Spider-Verse was, were announced. Uh, the directors are Joaquim Dos Santos. Cool. He was previously announced with the film. Uh, he worked on the Avatar show, Avatar Last Airbender directing it he also directed episodes of justice league unlimited uh he's just a very go-to animation director in the oh and he also show ran voltron if you want i don't did you watch voltron i forget if you did you didn't okay um, i did but not, you watched no. avatar so. i've heard good things yes a uh, couple times is this old school voltron or netflix voltron ne- netflix voltron gotcha uh which is interesting because i remember when he was announced there's actually a controversial thing about the voltron tv show where it engages in some Kind of iffy, uh, I don't know if stereotypes are the right words, but archetypes of storytelling involving gay characters and uh, how, you know, a lot of storytelling with gay characters ends in tragedy just because I don't know why. It's just a weird trope. And Voltron does that, spoiler alert, but also not really because I feel like that's more of a triggering than a spoiler alert, honestly, at this point. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so he's directing it. Uh, Justin K. Thompson is another director on it. Uh, he was the production designer on the first film. I think he also production designed Cloud of Chance Meatballs because that's a Lord Miller joint. Um, and then the big one is that uh, Academy Award nominee Kep Powers, who co-directed Soul and wrote One Night in Diane, One Night in Diami, <laughs> One Night in Miami, uh, will be directing it, which is interesting to me because he's not on the script, uh, which is weird because he's a playwright and obviously he's a writer. If he wrote One Night in Miami, yeah. Uh, uh also the other bit of news here is that lord miller will be co-writing the script which to me is actually the important news out of this uh when the they're co-writing it with david callahan who wrote shang chi uh and he also wrote the new mortal Kombat movie which I'm not talking about in the green room but i saw it this week and let me just say if you have hbo max sure if you want to spend your time on it go ahead i would not spend any money on it otherwise <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, what, what do you guys think about Spider Verse Two? Um, I cool. yeah yeah, cool. I like I like what they fine. did with the first one. I hope that the second one's gonna be just as fun. Um, I think it'll be cool to see what Dos Santos does with the Spider Verse animation because I know that uh, his the work on Avatar is very much appraised. Um, is, action, especially yeah. within the within the uh, I don't want to say Avatar fan group but like uh fans of the avatar show that's um, me tag myself that's you danny so danny yeah, give I'm us give us your take on the avatar animation uh well okay actually i do have a take here yeah uh, and it's that i have the my weird take about spider-verse that always gives me backlashes i think well first this isn't the one gives me that i think it is the best film of 2018 period that doesn't get me backlash a lot of people agree with that but i think the action on it could be better I think the action in Spider-Verse at points is too kinetic for the animation style for you to keep up with. Mm. Uh, I think Incredibles 2 is a better action movie than Spider-Verse is. Uh, that, that has always been my hot take. And people always are like, what? And I'm like, mm, well, 
My main thing I point to in Incredibles 2 is the Elastigirl uh, chase scene with the motorcycle. Yeah. That is a really impressive set piece. I don't think anything in Spider-Verse comes to that level unless we're counting like him web-slinging as an action piece, which I don't think I do. Uh, it's just, it's more, it's, that's different. It's not an action scene. Yeah. I, I need to watch Incredibles 2 again. Uh, it's well, been a while. I don't know if, I don't know if you need to watch Incredibles 2 again. <laughs> I'll put it that way. I'm like, ah! I think there are plenty of other movies out there that you haven't seen that might be more worth your time. <laughs> Incredibles 2 certainly is a movie. <laughs> I, I think it's a little overhated, but I also... it's it, Right. I, I remember when I saw it, my roommate called it a, it's the Magic Mike XXL of Pixar sequels, and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I've not seen Magic Mike, so... <laughs> sure. Um, I will take your I highly recommend um, speaking... the Magic Mike movies, actually. Uh, but speaking of sequels, um, I'm not entirely sure that I actually want a Spider Verse two. I think just one was fine, yeah. and maybe they should have. Maybe they should have just left it there. I know they had that little that little stinger there, um, but leave it a stinger. Inception never got a sequel. That's true, and it's still talked about. Uh, so I think my my opinion on Spider Verse sequels have always been I wouldn't mind a sequel, but I would prefer if a sequel was in a Spider Verse movie. It would just be a Miles movie. Mm, yeah, uh, right. Yeah, but I don't obviously that's not going to happen. I don't really know uh, where where the story will go. I'm not well versed in the in the comics. The verse, so, <laughs> well versed in the verse. Yeah, in, uh, the, in the verse. But uh, uh, my this I, there's a lot of interesting rumors going around <laughs> it. I know Phil Lord, uh, one of them. I heard Phil Lord or Chris Miller tweeted a few months back that they thought the animation. Well, no, actually, this was when the movie came out. The first movie came out. They were saying around the time that uh, the movie came out that they thought the, an- the animation in the movie looked boring to them. Uh, so they were going to try to make actually innovative animation in the sequel. And I was like, what? <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to give us? <laughs> uh, so I'm very excited to see how it looks. I'm also excited to see Oscar Isaac in a full role after his post credit scene. Because uh, he played uh, Miguel O'Hara after the credits, and I think that's a good casting. Mm. And also the fact that Lord and Miller are writing the script now gets me excited. Because my general take on Lord and Miller films is that if they write the script or, or direct it, it's going to be great. Otherwise, it's a bit more iffy. Gotcha, uh, gotcha. Because like Five Chance Meatballs Two is not a good movie. Smallfoot is very average. They produce both these movies, but they're not great. But I think Lego Two is brilliant, and a lot of people don't agree with me on that. Lego Movie 2? Yeah, Lego yeah movie I like two. Lego Movie 2. Yeah, I think it's an interesting film. Have you seen it, Drew? I've not. I was about to make a joke about... I've also seen Lego Movie, because, you know, two... Oh, yeah. yeah. The Lego Movie as well. <laughs> right, <laughs> yes. uh, all right, our next bit of news is a bit of a running gag for our podcast, which is that Morbius has moved again. <laughs> Morbius. Will it come out before or after the Flash movie? Yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing. It literally moved back a week, which makes it funny. I don't know why, why they moved it just a week. Oh. They moved it to January 28th. It was on January 21st before. Now it's on January 28th. I think it's because... Uh, actually, I want to look this up. A new movie was dated on the um, date Morbius was on. I'm curious if it's a Sony movie, so I'm going to look it up really quick. Uh... Oh, it's a Universal. That's really weird. Yeah, Universal's putting on a movie. Uh, no, what? Why did they move it? This is also putting on the 20th. I'm so confused. I don't know why they moved it back a week. It doesn't make any sense. This is stupid. Sony, what are you doing? Give me Peter Rabbit now. I think they are doing this just to bother you. 
the one person in charge of all this definitely listens to this podcast. Yes. You know, they might, and, that might be true. And it's like, you know what? I just want to keep it. In, I just want to keep it in the conversation. Yeah. So I'm going to move it back and forth between different weeks, um, and they will continue talking about it. Uh, you know, I every single week. I think Sony does have something out for me because you know what they announced this week <laughs> is that they're moving the new Lin Manuel Miranda movie they made with like original Lin Manuel music to streaming, and I'm just like, what? Why? Why do you keep doing they this? You're moving this. You're just move. No, I, I don't. Well, I don't care as much about this because, as far as I know, this movie's gonna be garbage outside of the manual random music. It's from the director of the Croods. I'm not too excited for it. Mm. Uh, but I'm just confused. I'm like, why do these people just constantly go after Lin Manuel Miranda and Pixar? Do these people just want me like to go insane? Do they want me to keep spending two hundred fifty dollars at the music box? What's going on here? Okay, moving on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ironheart has got a. Uh, head writer it's uh, Janaka Hodge uh, she's a playwright she has not really done anything in note well okay okay you know what I shouldn't disparage her like that I'm sure she's done she hasn't done anything in media worth of note you know what I mean she is done she has bunches she has a bunch of uh, books published she's known for her artistic work on gentrification this will be her first project that isn't uh, poetry or uh other stuff she has she did win a few awards for screenplays though but she just doesn't have anything produced but yeah well what are your guys opinion on uh chinaka hodge um nothing we I, don't know who this is i i'm just interested yeah i'm not, I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure who uh who hodge is um i look forward to uh new new blood getting to work in the mcu uh i think it'll be cool with Ironheart. Uh, interesting. I'm going to be interested in seeing what they do with with Ironheart. Danny, one show that wait, wait, still wait, wait, needs wait. a one head quick writer. Thing, one quick thing. Can I say one quick thing yes. before that? Yeah. About no, yeah. It's, it's related to Chinaga Hodge. No, That's why I say it now. Either. Like we got we got to get we got to <laughs> say it. She's yep. actually apparently working on something on her. I just went to her website. She's working on something that's just labeled screen colon minors, which means it's something for the screen. But apparently, she's working with uh, Ryan Coogler and uh, oh. Dustin Credin, who is a, oh, it's a TV show. That's really cool. Wakanda. Oh, no, yeah. it's it's a it's a no, it's a real TV show. Uh, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> it's a show called Miners. Oh, this is so interesting. Actually, let me use this. In, oh, the, oh, all right. To be clear here, this project probably isn't happening. The date on this article is 2016, but it was going to be a Ryan Coogler and Dustin Daniel Credin directed show written by her, which would have been. I like those two people. Yeah. And they're both relevant to this podcast because Black Panther and Shang-Chi. So, anyway. Tyler, what do you, what do you want to talk about? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, like, I've got a show that needs to be pitched to Disney Plus, to Kevin Feige, who we know listens to the podcast. All this right. Is the, uh, this is the Tyler Friend Borland. Of the this is the Tyler Bourne pitch segment. We're letting him have it because I'm going to rant later. <laughs> <laughs> so... We all know Ralph Boner is a failed actor living in Westview, but the show doesn't say what style of acting he engaged in. I say he is a failed porn actor, and Ralph Boner is not his actual name, but a screen moniker. In reality, he is Peter Maximoff from the Fox universe, and we'll get that payoff in the Agatha All Along Disney Plus series, also starring Katherine Hahn, of course, and Matt Damon. See, Matt Damon is an actor acting within the MCU. 
So let's say he survived. Can I interrupt for one second? Yeah. And ask a question for yeah. clarification. Is the Matt Damon Asgardian actor actually named Matt Damon? Like, does is he live in a society where everyone else is named Thor and Hela? And his name and is Matt Loki Damon. Yeah. His, no, his <laughs> it, name it, is, it, yeah, it's, it's Matt Damon, but it's all like one word. Yeah, it's Matt Damon. Yeah, <laughs> Matt okay, Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Okay. So, all right, continue with your pitch about Matt Damon. <laughs> so Matt Damon is an actor acting within the MCU. So let's say he survived the events of Ragnarok, and he's now on Earth since the founding of New Asgard. He leaves New Asgard to try acting on Broadway. This is how we'll actually get the MCU's first musical episode. So Matt will be cast in Avengers the Musical and reprise his role as Loki, and he will buy a house in the suburb of Westview. And this is when he runs into Ralph, a.k.a. Peter. So Ralph finds that he can still run fast. He still has the super speed abilities. And he begins to use it to do sitcom bits with Catherine Hahn at the start of the series. Like, I'm going to give it an according to Jim aesthetic. Why this aesthetic? Because I've yet to find an audience who truly enjoys this show. And WandaVision already covered beloved sitcoms. So, oh wait, hold up, hold up. Yeah. Before you, what is an according to Jim aesthetic? <laughs> what, <laughs> what defines an according to Jim aesthetic? I, I was, I was just, I'm, I'm glad you asked because I didn't know. I just assumed that everyone else knew, <laughs> uh, and I was just gonna go with. It. I really what don't know. It's, it's just gonna be a horrible ripoff of according to Jim. Like, I don't know what that is either. <laughs> it's Jim. <laughs> It's a show with Jim Belushi, starring Jim Belushi, and yeah, according he's, to got, him. he's got like a best pal, and <laughs> so like, doesn't he like have daughters? Yeah, he's Only got like da- da- yeah, yeah, he's got daughters, and basically the show just follows Jim running running around town doing gym things. <laughs> I don't really know how how much better to describe it, but um, it was on when I was when I was younger. It was always on after school. No, I know. I, I yeah. remember recording the gym thing. Off. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, like. Well, I think it's, wait, 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 wait. We, I will let you continue. Don't worry. Yeah. I think it's interesting you picked according to Jim. Because I can think of another show that has a more clear aesthetic that I don't really know anyone who really loves it. And that's Home Improvement. I think, I think Home Improvement has a nostalgia to it that I don't necessarily want to to in, in, like encroach um i think there's probably people nostalgic for according to jim <laughs> well, probably if, are people if you are there. listening to this and you are nostalgic for according to jim please send us a, a uh tweet we're, we're gonna actually launch a spinoff podcast it's just recapping according to jim episodes <laughs> send please send according to jim plushies to us all <laughs> yes. i want my jim belushi <laughs> siu alum so you mean siu alum I Maybe I don't know. I know John Malkovich is. That's oh, I didn't actually know like that. One cool. Thing. I know Bob Odenkirk is. Oh, really? Oh, Drew. Who went to your school? Who's cool? Um, fish guy from uh, Shape of Water. You hear about the Toro ones at your school? No, fish guy. The actual like fish. Oh, Doug Jones. Yeah, he went to my school. Um, he was also there's someone the who won. Who won this year? Who also went to my school? But I can't remember. I just saw. Um, it's the person who had sponsored my Doctor Who club for like two years. Um, I gotta look up tweeted here. about it, and I don't know who it was. Yeah. But now I'm looking up famous. Someone who went to Ball State one chirp chirp. All right, Tyler, um, I'll let you finish your thing. 
All right. Ralph slash Peter is running with Agatha and will literally run into Matt's car as Matt is driving to work one morning. The collision gives them a concussion, but jars suppress memories. So Ralph will remember his mutant heritage and Agatha will remember the events of WandaVision, thus setting up our conflict. So the villain will again be Agatha, but will get a much better plot for her this time around. And she could delve into necromancy, and we get the Marvel Zombies episode. And it will be up to now Peter Maximoff and Matt Damon to save the day. And Matt can call in Valkyrie to join the fight, who's the current king of Asgard. Which can spin off into your Valkyrie Matt Damon show, Danny. Well, I'm glad uh, I'm glad you have this pitch. Uh, what is my thought on it? I'll tell you what my thought on it is. It is that... I want to give my take, which is that I would watch the show definitely, actually. <laughs> but I also, I want to put on the record my thought I had about Agatha after WandaVision that I never shared because I, I, I came up with it after we recorded our last episode and there's never been an opportunity until now, which is, you know how like Wanda imprisons her into like her role of Agnes? Mm-hmm. Uh, that means that she's Ralph's wife and if she's a sitcom wife. That means she's going to have a lot of kids. So probably next time we see Agatha, she's going to be like a mother of three babies. And that's going to be really disturbing. I'm just saying that that is what I, uh, that is what Wanda has cursed her to. That is the implication. Drew, what's your opinion on this TV show idea? Would you watch it's it? It's very, very thorough. <laughs> um, <laughs> very, very thorough. Um, you know, just kind of want to. I, I think maybe, maybe maybe round some of the edges um being a porn actor i'm not sure how well that would fly maybe if this were fox yeah but disney mm, i don't know um maybe make him uh, like have dreams of i don't know what's an embarrassing type of theater maybe he only does like community theater um but only like Bad improv. Pro- no, he only does like produ- like local productions of Jesus Christ Superstar. That's the only show. <laughs> I would love to see Evan Peters in a bad, um, a bad local production of Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, and that that's all he does. Um, and he thinks it's hilarious that his name is Boner while he's trying to get the role for Jesus. Like he he his his goal in life is just to see Jesus Christ Ralph Boner next to each mm. other. Um, and he can make jokes about having like a Jesus Boner or something. We could go with that, and Matt Damon could still he could still be acting on Broadway, but maybe he I wonder if he, Matt Damon has ever played Jesus. No, Matt Damon's yeah. not gonna play Jesus. But uh that's that's Rob Boner's job. But uh maybe Matt no, Damon's that's the job he wants. But, true. Maybe maybe Ralph Boner will play Judas and Matt Damon will play Jesus in this right yeah um and and ralph keeps saying matt damon instead of matt damon yeah because um, it's only the one word instead of the two matt damon matt damon yeah matt damon, matt damon. <laughs> instead of matt damon <laughs> all right and then our last bit of news we'll spot, uh, go into danny's rant now i will say there is one bit of part of these this news that i you might want to talk about but well you know what i'll let you talk about it if you want but my rant has nothing to do with that so the oscars happened as they do, try as we might, they will never leave us alone. They're always going to happen. There's nothing we can do about it. Uh, and as such, there were a few winners. Wait, and- wait. I just had an idea. 
what about a, like a John Wick spinoff? But John Wick's entire mission is just to kill the entire Academy of, of, of Motion Pictures, Science, or whatever. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I would want to see that. Yeah, sure. And then, in that John Wick universe, no more Academy Awards. Yeah, that'd be Problem cool. Problem solved. You know, I had a... Well, okay. All right. I'll delve into my thoughts on the Academy once I read these winners out. So, these are the winners that are related to the MCU. Best visual effects went to Tenet. Uh, and there were two individuals on there that has worked on uh, Marvel movies before. That's David Lee, who worked on Avengers Infinity War, and Andrew Lockley, who worked on Captain America, the first Avenger. Best cinematography went to Mank. Now, that went to Eric Messerschmidt, who this was his first movie he ever cinematographed on. That's a word. Director, he, he ever DP'd on, directed the photography. However, he worked as a camera operator on both Ant-Man and Iron Man 2. Uh, Beck's director, as expected, went to Nomadland, uh, and Chloe Zhao got it, who will be directing Eternals. Best Supporting Actor went to Judas and the Black Messiah and Daniel Kaluuya, who is famous for... Well, actually, I'd argue he is not famous for Black Panther. He is the character that everyone forgets is in Black Panther. Uh, but he he was in it. <laughs> He's famous for being the guy who was in that other movie who happens to be in Black Panther. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Actually, yeah, he's pretty famous because he was. I think he's interesting because he was in Black. He was cast in Black Panther, thinking, he, "Oh, he just be he's a, like he's someone who's up and coming." But then Get Out came out while Black Panther was filming, and then there was like all these viral videos of the Black Panther cast doing like that Get Out viral challenge. Uh, anyway, uh, and then the the story of the night, which I'll delve into a bit more once I finish, is best actor went to Anthony Hopkins. For the father and we will be talking about anthony hopkins in this episode about four as he plays odin uh best picture went to nomadland which again is directed by chloe Zhao, who will be doing eternals now the elephant in the room here which i'll get into is uh the favorite for best actor was chadwick boseman for ma rainey's black bottom however i wish to dedicate my rant not to his loss because here's the thing is that did i want uh did i want chadwick boseman to win yes uh, I think Chadwick Boseman. I don't actually. I, okay, I think he had the second best performance in the category. I think Riz Ahmed and Son of Metal gave the best performance, but I would have voted for Chadwick because I think Riz Ahmed's going to win an Oscar anyway in the next ten years because uh, he's a really talented actor who picks good roles. Uh, I though don't necessarily mind Anthony Hopkins winning because here's the thing: is the best actor Oscar traditionally goes, in my opinion to very bad performances and anthony hopkins isn't bad in the father anthony hopkins is very good in the father uh i would say he is the best winner in the last 10 years besides casey affleck which means that if i am asked who my favorite performance who won an oscar in the last 10 years i'm gonna say anthony hopkins because casey affleck has some problematic uh issues surrounding him so i'll say uh, anthony hopkins is pretty great in the father uh however <laughs> This was by far the worst Oscar ceremony I have ever watched in terms of producing, in terms of direction of the, the, the ceremony. It was one of the most disrespectful things I have ever seen uh, for a variety of reasons, one of which uh, involves the best actor category. But first, I'm going to get the other one out of the way, which is that there were no clips the entire night. Now, Tyler and Drew, how many Oscar-nominated films did you see this year? I think, Tyler, you saw Soul and Ma Rainey. Did you see anything else? I saw Soul, Ma Rainey, Tenet. And Wolf Walkers. Now. And Wolf Walkers. Um, what else was nominated? Well, Best Picture was Sound of Metal, The Father. Nope, uh, nope. 
I did not see Mank. Um, uh, Trials Chicago 7. I've not seen that. I did not see Nomadland. Uh, I did not see Hillbilly woman. Elegy. Did not see Promising Young Woman. <laughs> did you see Borat? Did you see I Borat? did not I see guess... Borat. I've not even seen the first Borat. There's a hot take. Yeah. All right, Drew, did you see any of these? Um, I think I've seen Borat. And yeah. I think that's the only one. Yeah. Uh, so you would think this would be the year you don't cut the clips, right? You would think this would be the year that they have the clips on to advertise the movies no one has watched. Wouldn't that make sense? Yeah. Are you... Yeah. I did they really do yeah. that? There were no clips. Oh my the entire there okay, that's not that's not entirely true. There were clips for three categories. International film, where they showed the ending of another round, which got me mad because like why are you showing the ending? Yeah. Soul and the, I mean the animated feature category, which oh oh did you, any of you see Onward? No. I ever you see Onward. No, okay. but I've seen so, Infinity War, so Alright. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, shut okay. up, Tyler. So, well, okay, here's the thing is, with Onward, well, okay, the animated films, Onward and Soul, they both showed the ending. Like, they showed the emotional climax of the movie as the clip. Uh, and for um, Onward, that is actually, like, a massive spoiler. Because it does not end the way you think it would, and that's what makes it emotional. Uh, I'm not going to say how it ends, because I actually think Onward's a tad underrated. So, if you guys ever check it out, you should not know how it ends. But don't if you watch the Academy, you would the, the Oscars, you would know how it ended. Uh, and then Best Picture, where they had clips for it. But some of the okay, again, very spoiler clips for whatever reason. So it's like, what? So okay, so so for example, a movie like Ma Rainey, which was nominated for a ton and won two Oscars, never had a clip shown during the entire night, uh, which is insane to me because yeah. no one watched these movies. Yeah, you know, yeah, but. The real issue here with the producing is they moved Best Actor to the end of the show. Uh, did you not hear about this, Drew? You no, I look. did. I just think it's 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 dumb because, like, not not to diminish the the, uh, the artistry of these actors and these people, um, but like, Best Movie is the bigger award, right? Um, that's yeah. That, that's coordination between hundreds, if not thousands, of people instead of like. Oh, one person! Wow, you did a really good job. Um, not You're right. not not yeah. to diminish the importance of those awards and um, the absolute well, scale of mastery of uh, m- most of the people nominated in those categories. Yes, I agree. Uh, I want to break down exactly though why, like the details on why this was such a bad thing. But you're right; that is the crux of why it is bad. Uh, on, uh, on the on the surface, no context level. Yeah. That is why. Uh, I would say that this move uh, disrespected Chadwick Boseman's family. It disrespected Anthony Hopkins, and it disrespected the Nomadland team. Uh, it also, I would say that even if Chadwick Boseman won Best Actor, this would still be very disrespectful to Chadwick Boseman's family and to the Nomadland team. Uh, but first, I'm going to talk about Nomadland. Nomadland is only the second movie in history to be directed by a woman to win Best Director and Best Picture. That should have been the story of the night no matter what. Mm-hmm. Even if people went into it knowing Nomadland was the favorite. It doesn't matter if it's the favorite or not. Regardless, this is the only the second time in history this has ever happened. Well, you still need to give it its due respect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is this is a huge deal, and it is the most important deal of the night, is that Nomadland won Best Picture. Furthermore, Frances McDormand ended up winning Best Actress. 
Frances McDormand produced Nomadland, and she was not considered to be the favorite and best actress. Ergo, when Nomadland won Best Picture, Chloe Zhao gave a speech, but then, since she already had won for Best Director, she gave let Frances McDormand give the rest of the speech. So when Frances McDormand won Best Actress, she had already said everything she needed to say. Uh, she could have, you know, like, if she had given Best Actress beforehand, she would have given her speech then, and then when Nomadland won Best Picture, she would have let one of the other three or four producers talk. Uh, now I love Frances McDormand. Good for her. I'm glad that she, like, she got to talk. Uh, also fun fact that Drew will enjoy because we saw Transformers last night together is that Ugh. both of the best actor and best actress winners were in Transformers movies. I saw that. Um, <laughs> I, I saw that on Twitter. Um, so huge tangent, but I have a colleague from college who runs like a very popular Instagram account that is entirely devoted to the Michael Bay Transformers movies. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like sharing were, were images. Were they happy about Anthony Hopkins and winning? Being fan- I have no idea. I don't. I don't even. I'm not even on Instagram. <laughs> if I were, I wouldn't follow this page. I just think it's really fascinating um, that there's enough people for that to be a thing. Um, it's true because these movies are widely reviled. Um, yeah, they they've announced they're doing a reboot in a couple of years. Okay, Actually, but year. that doesn't make it better. They still exist. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's very um, true. <laughs> I've maybe multiple days of my life watching these movies. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Only because the first one is moderately okay, and I watched that one a lot. As, yeah, we, we, we I, 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 I don't know if I told you. I rewatched the fifth one in college at one point. We got I'm sorry. We got a little. We got a little drunk. We we put it on Hulu, and my roommate Julius thought it was like he's like. I think I think it was just like wow, like he's like this isn't good, but I'm so impressed. It's this was so made. it's such a loud <laughs> movie in every sense of the word. Every it, it has like 15 aspect ratios. I've, and yeah. None of them cut. I've never I've never seen the fifth the fifth one. Um, uh, I've having not seen the third or fourth, I recommend seeing the fifth one. Oh, okay, I was like I've seen that's a lot. I don't recommend. I've seen it. one through. Oh, okay. I've seen one through four. I've seen four once, and that was in theaters. And then I was like, "I was like, no, nah, I'm done." Four is, yeah, I'm uh, yeah, I'm out. Anyway, but yeah, to go back to the Oscars. Sorry, yeah, uh, let's not get on the Transformers. Uh, all right, so now, now we know I know Madland. This sucks for the No Madland team. Now, all right, so having Best Actor goes last clearly sets up that Chadwick Boseman is going to win, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, out of res- and- like respect for for the late actor, you know, um, like, yeah. I argue that even if Chadwick Boseman won, moving that category to the end makes you monetize his death to the point where people aren't going to tune out until the end of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So even if he won, they are using Chadwick Boseman for ratings and his family for ratings. They They want his wife to be on stage crying over this win so they have their big Hollywood ending. Uh, And they didn't get it. So a part of me is a little. That's that's a big thing. I thought I was going to be really mad if Chadwick lost, but the fact that this show did him so wrong that I was like, well, you know, they deserve this to backfire on it then. Because also they rushed through in memoriam, which is insane to me. They like played a fast song during in memoriam, which was crazy. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> these these names are up here for half a second, and they're just moving on. <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, then um, of course. Chadwick doesn't win, but okay. And the other insane thing is it's tradition that the Academy has best actress of the previous year, give out best actor and vice versa. 
This year, for some reason, they didn't do that. And that's what I want someone to ask the producer of the show why they changed this. Because Joaquin Phoenix notoriously hates Hollywood and thinks awards are stupid. So he walks out and he goes, I was supposed to say a little something about the nominations, about how they all got this special place in their head when they did acting. But I'll be honest, I've never done that. I don't know what that's like. So instead, I'm just going to read the nominations and give you the winner. So <laughs> every other category tonight got every other category that I got a big speech about the particular nomination, which means by sending Joaquin Phoenix out, Chadwick Boseman did not get a single level of tribute the entire night, despite besides the half second he was in the memoriam. Uh, and then, of course, Anthony Hopkins wins, and they go they. Joaquin Phoenix is like, well, he's not here, so good night. And he just runs off stage, and that's the end. <laughs> so, uh, big train wreck. But then, for, last of all, I and also, so his entire family sat there the entire three hours the Oscars take, and literally just sat there. I don't want to say they were owed to win, but they weren't owed having to wait until the end to lose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like. Beat, let them let him beat the crowd and leave early. They don't need to stick around for No Man Let Me Best Picture. They're only there for Chadwick. And no one would be offended if they left early, even if, like, if, if win or lose. Like, even if Chadwick won, if they left before No Man Let Me Best no one would be like, why aren't you sticking around? Because, like, that's, you know. Okay, so last, Anthony Hopkins. Now, Anthony Hopkins is 83 years old. It is 4 a.m. in the morning in London. And people get mad at him because he's not giving a speech. Or he didn't go to the Oscars hub. Now, it came out after the ceremony that he offered to zoom in. He's like, I'll stay up until 4. I'll give my speech at home. They said no. They said that we want this Oscars to be more fancy than the other award shows. And we're not allowing anyone to zoom in. So he's like, all right, then I'm going to bed. I'm not like, I'm 83 years old. Yeah. I'm not going to stay up for me to likely lose to Chadwick Boseman. Like, right? Like, it. It's not this like right. honestly. I think he was willing to be on if like if Chadwick won, right? Like he'd be like, yeah, go check. Like it's very telling that his Instagram acceptance speech is mostly him just going, "I want to pay tribute to Chadwick Boseman who lost." And also, if he was there, like he would be able to be like give the tribute then. But they didn't let him because they wanted to be fancy. So the Oscars producers set up their entire show to honor Chadwick Boseman, who ends up never honored during the night. Uh, it throws out the Nomadland historical wins as something that is not the important story. And then it doesn't even let Anthony Hopkins give a speech. And then Joaquin Phoenix, for some reason, because that's the thing, all, that's the other thing is like, if Renee Zellwinger was there, she could have like probably salvaged it. She could have found a way to salvage that moment, not run off the stage. She wouldn't like, you know, like she's, she's a professional and she likes Hollywood. Uh, but yeah, that's my rant about the Oscars. Terrible ceremony. Very happy for Daniel Kaluuya to talk about his mom having sex. That was nice. Uh, but that's the only thing that really was good at the Oscars this year. I think that all Oscar ceremonies should be at most an hour. You cut all musical performances. Cut the ads. Cut the product placement. The only, cut okay, the jokes. Cut the ads. Make it an hour. Get it done. Put it out what there. I was like a, and then well, leave okay. us alone. You, you could do it. Part, it's 90 minutes 90 minutes with ads the only good part of the ceremony though was when the song from the will ferrell movie was performed and it was during the pre-show never i i never want to watch a musical performance at the oscars i never have 
and I never will. This is why I, as a music teacher, have never watched the Grammys. I wa- tried watching them once, found it insufferable, and turned it off. Well, there was no, well, this year at the Oscars, there was no musical performances Good. during the show. They were on the pre-show. Keep it that way. But it way. was still three and a half hours long. It, you, you could do it in half the time. Just cut the fluff. No one cares. I think they would probably see more people watching the show if it were 90 minutes. Well... My take on the people watching the show thing is that people are like, the Oscars, no one is watching the Oscars this year. And I'm like, no one's watching because no one saw these movies. Right. The only movie that was nominated that people saw was Soul. And Borat, I guess. You know? Uh, and I know I know you haven't seen Soul, Drew, but like, it is a popular movie. That's right. what I mean. Like, it is the only movie that was nominated that people saw. Oh, I, and Tenet, I guess. I agree, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think anyone saw Tenet. And even less people heard Tenet, so... <laughs> <laughs> that's true, that's true. I can hear Tenet. Uh, all right, we're going into the green room where I'm going to talk about how I watched the Oscars. Just kidding. We just did that. Don't worry about it. We're going to talk about what we watched this week, though. But, so me and Tyler, as you might remember, last week we gave each other movies. I had to watch Three Kings. He had to watch Wolf Walkers. That is not happening right now. Uh, we are not going to subject our guest to us talking about two movies that he hasn't seen for about how many how so long we're gonna release that separately however i believe our guest did bring something that he watched for the green room so drew tell us what you watched all right i've been waiting for it this is my time to shine i've been longing <laughs> to talk about this movie for years on a platform that was bigger than um, <laughs> you, you sound like me on a sorry i'll let you i'll let you talk but you sound like me when i got on caleb's podcast to discuss cars too uh my friend caleb i went on this podcast to talk about how i think cars to be fair cars 2 is brilliant (laughs) i i was with danny thank you when i saw cars 2 and it is an experience um i agree with danny wholeheartedly that it is maybe the only film where every single creative choice was the wrong one Uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's it's great um speaking of a film that made all of the correct choices We are going to be talking about 2005's cinematic masterwork, Racing Stripes. Um, Now, originally, I was going to try to do a video game or maybe a TV series, but Danny got mad at me that he couldn't add either of those. I want to make a letterbox. Yeah, he he got mad at me that he couldn't add those to letterbox. Um, (laughs) And so if you are attentive and happen to know a little bit about horse racing, you will know that um, the weekend before when this will come out, but before we're recording, like after we're recording it after. tomorrow. It's like how last week, last time I kept talking about how the Oscars were coming up. And I was like, but you'll be right. listening to this after. Um, on Saturday, more, the 1st of May. Yes, May. Um, is the Kentucky Derby. Um, and I happen to live in Louisville. Um, I haven't lived here long enough to see um, really any other real derbies. We did it. We had, we, it was canceled last year and we, in like September doesn't really count. Um, so this is like the first real Derby. And I figured what better use of my time, um, than watching my DVD copy that I got when I was much younger of the 2005 cinematic masterwork racing strikes. Um, now can I, can I announce to everyone that I too have a copy yes. of racing strikes um, on DVD? Is, yes. Tyler is the Tyler, odd one out yeah, here. <laughs> yep. I'm the odd man out. Yeah, I um, do not have, have a copy, have a physical copy, but I did see this film in theaters. So 
Yeah. I mean, I did too, it's, but it's, that doesn't it's mean something, I right? Have just coffee. So, <laughs> what Tyler is saying here is that he would love it if you listeners at home um, would find your DVD copy of it and send one to him. Yes. Um, if you have this, pictures, don't, if, you know, if you only have one, don't do it. You should hold on to your copy of 2005 Cinematic Masterwork Bracing Stripes because you don't want to misplace it. A- but if you happen to have a copy or you have a blank DVD case and feel like making a copy of some things, send it to him. Just can do I, it. Can I ask you ask a quick no question. question about your copy of it? Yeah. About your sure. copy of Bracing Stripes? Uh, so mine has written on it widescreen edition. Is yours a widescreen or full screen edition? Um, I, th- I see it's not written on it, but I'm sure you watched the film, so you would know yes. if it's widescreen or full screen. Um, well, I don't actually remember there being any black bars on either side of the screen, but that's probably partly because I don't have a square television. Um, and that might be some of the setup in it. Um, I have a lot of stickers on mine because it came from Hollywood Video. It used to be $14.99, but it's now um, $12.99, previously viewed, if you were wondering. Um, but it does not say. I'm looking up the aspect ratio, uh, so we'll see if it's the correct. No, no, I'm looking up the aspect ratio of the film. Um, you know, because that's what really right. matters here is the aspect um, ratio. Well, Danny matters. is doing that. Um, I will give a you know, brief, uh, my brief thoughts. If this won't be brief. Well, I'm already, I'm already oh. done. Okay. So, um, it's 1.851, which means it should have fit your TV. Okay. Yes. It fit my yeah. TV. Okay. So it was. Go on. Um, and even, <laughs> and it would, it would have been a shame if we had lost any part of it, uh, any yeah. part of the picture. Um, so the film opens up, um, in a rainstorm with this very harsh contrast in color. Like it's, it almost looks black and white. Like it looks really gross and dark. Um, of this zoo. Well, it's fitting. It's about a zebra. It's, it should be exactly. black and white. And it's just this dark storm. <laughs> and for some reason, this this van, this caravan of circus animals has been stopped. And something, something, something happens. And then we have a little baby zebra in a little baby basket sitting in the road <laughs> in the pouring rain. <laughs> it's it is as if Moses himself were a zebra. And then, not too long afterwards. Uh, an old truck that looks like it should belong to the 1950s or 40s comes by. Oh no, it's a baby zebra. And so he's like, what do I do? What do I do? And instead of calling animal control or doing anything like that, <laughs> um, he puts the baby zebra into his car and takes the zebra home. Um, and for a couple, for about the next half of a scene, we only see this zebra in the basket. And the zebra looks absolutely tiny. Right, it looks like like a newborn, like it's like it looks like it'll fit in like a picnic basket. Um, and then they cut away, and suddenly the zebra is out of the basket, and it's like a full blown like pony size. Like there's a Shetland pony in the film, and it's now the yeah. same size as, as that. Like it's it's a big boy, and it was in that basket. How magic, <laughs> um, magic Hollywood basket. So yeah, but as as he was pulling in. Um, <laughs> into his farm you very clearly see a sign that says kentucky the bluegrass state um so very clearly set in kentucky um (laughs) though this will be fascinating for all the viewers at home it was actually set not set it was actually filmed in south africa um and a lot of i i was i was honestly convinced that it was kentucky like a lot of it looked kentucky had like the nice green rolling hills south africa go figure um, we should move to South Africa. So, so 
Go so that does that does bring me to to uh, something we had we had started to talk about it before before we recorded until Danny uh, told us to shut up. But uh, so what you're saying is that South Africa and Kentucky look very much alike. Strangely, yes. Um, yes. Though there was one very poorly com- uh, there's one scene with very poor compositing. Um, we're like right at the beginning. One, only one. Okay, scene. there were several. And we, I have those in my notes. We will talk about some, some of them. But like one where it was like specifically like a scenery mess up. Um, like they recorded like a horse. Like they had like a picture of a, like a horse track. But then they also had a video of the horses racing. They were clearly two different ones, and they did not look like they were interacting <laughs> with each other. It was right at the beginning when um, the main character. Our protagonist, if you will. 2005 was a simpler time. Stripes. Um, it's like, wow, what's that? Um, anyways, uh, let me look at the notes again so I remember what I was talking about. Wait, wait, before you look at the notes, who does Joey Pants play? I need to know. We are going to talk about him. We're going to talk about him. Okay, oh, wait, he's, he's, I'll wait, I'll he's wait in my him. notes. I don't. I can't remember Joey Pants being in the movie. That's why I'm um, So... Tyler, do you know who Joey Pants is, or am I just talking? No, I think I know who you're talking about. Joey Pantolino or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, No, yeah, no. I, I know. That's part of Bad Boys in the Matrix. Yeah. Okay, so one (laughs) thing that should be addressed is because I was immediately curious about this. You can, in fact, own a zebra in Kentucky. It is legal. Hmm. Um, You can in most states. Actually, the only one that I could find that like you straight up can't do it is California. Some some things you're going to notice as you watch this uh, cinematic masterwork. Um, is that it looks like all the animals have rubber lips. It is like the Justice League uh, Superman <laughs> lips throughout the entire movie. Um, really groundbreaking on that front. Another thing is the eyes. So you're telling me we should have the Snyder cut? Of yes, we definitely should. Okay. Um, and then the eyes are kind of the same thing. Because, you know, they're, if, if we drop the joke for a bit, it's, it's because the animals, you know, like they, they're animals. They can't talk. So that's why they right. do that. But they also decided yeah. to go a step further and animate their eyes um, to varying degrees of effectiveness. Like sometimes you don't really notice it, especially on the bigger animals. Uh, but there is a chicken involved, which is, um, oh gosh, Jeff Fox. Voiced by Jeff Foxworthy, yes. yeah. Um, and the eyes. Wow, Tyler, you just remembered that? I, no, this movie's coming back to me. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, but like the eyes are horrible. Like, they are demon eyes. Um, they're red with a black pupil, and they just, like, go in random directions, and, like, they don't work like I should work. Like, I know it's a chicken, but it's very disturbing. Like, I saw it once, and I'm like, that's maybe the worst thing I've seen today, and I've already watched it before. <laughs> um, um, also, um, it was very clear as they were going on through the movie, Actually, I thought I thought it was going to happen, um, but they didn't have the licensing for the Kentucky Derby. Um, so if you That's pull out your, your DVD you copy about this of about it? the 2005 <laughs> Sid McMasterwork Racing Stripes, which you should all have because you are, of course, all listeners of this very fine pod, and I expect much more of you than the general riffraff. Um, and, and your name isn't Tyler. Yeah, if your name isn't Tyler. Back, honestly. Um, can you read the entire back? The entire back is great. Um, just the description, or do you want, like, the quotes? Yeah, there's just, just right. the description. There's I was planning on this. Um, okay, good. So, here we go. I'll try to be dramatic. Stripes is a racing... Ze- sorry. Stripes is a zebra with the heart of a champion and a special dream. Colon. 
to run in Kentucky's most prestigious horse race. A barnyard full of talking animals provides lots of wise quacking, horse sense, and ba-ba-bat-cocking as Spunky Stripes teams with the young jockey <laughs> Channing Walsh to train for the winner's Channing circle. Walsh. Will Channing and Stripes be ready for the ride and the adventure of their lives? Um, Can I just point out that when you started that, you said you initially said Stripes is a racing. Right. That's <laughs> I, had to, I had to restart. Um, I know. You're all good. I just thought it was like, yep, that's the movie right there. Stripes is racing. They're very clear about Kentucky's most prestigious horse race. They don't yes, say Kentucky Derby. They very clearly don't say Kentucky Derby. And I'm like, oh, this is just kind of like, you know, it's going to be the Kentucky Derby. It's not the Kentucky Derby. Not at all. It's the Kentucky Open, which I guess, maybe, but they don't even pretend, they don't even do like a, a riff on the name of Churchill Downs where the race is. It's, um, I looked it up, I can't remember what it's called, but it the, the name of the horse track is a real horse track in Florence, Kentucky, um, mm-hmm. which is maybe two, 90 minutes away from Louisville um, in northern Kentucky, if I'm not mistaken. So clearly, it's more prestigious than Kentucky. it is not. Uh, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I was joking. I know right. it's not. Um, <laughs> so that, they they clearly didn't get the license. I wonder if they even tried. Um, I remember in Guitar Hero Aerosmith um, that mm. they they had a, like a whole like kind of level set at the Super Bowl, but they couldn't call it the Super Bowl. They just called it the Big Game. But it's you know all intents and purposes the same exact thing. It's still the same yeah. Whereas this like didn't even try like it, it, they could have called it I don't know like the championship derby or, or something they didn't even try it was just the Kentucky Open they should have, like they should have, um they should have do like uh, like some a joke off like Churchill right like the Winston yeah or, or, or yeah the Winston like Derby or not Winston something ups. yeah the Winston yeah something like that um, yeah strange I don't get it um another thing was that Snoop Dogg has uh. One of the top <laughs> billings for this movie, and he has literally three lines. He has the, yes. has the Gwyneth Paltrow contract. Yeah. She has, he has <laughs> the Gwyneth Paltrow and Spider-Man um, contract. This movie also just sort of ends. Like I thought it was going to be like, like that kind of like sports biopic thing where like, oh, they do the one race or the one game, they win, they have success, and they're like, yay, and then they're on that high, and then they go and do another one, and they have to... Like they they have to you know reevaluate realize oh this is the big league now um, that didn't happen it just sort of ends <laughs> like it's this dramatic race um, which is much longer than the Asheville Kentucky Derby the Kentucky Derby only lasts like two minutes it's very short um, and it's like a seven minute horse race it's wild <laughs> um, and they win I can't even remember what happens afterwards. And then it roll credits. And I, I was watching this with a friend. Uh, and I looked over at them. And I'm just like, it's over? Really? Already? It's like, yeah, of course. It's over. It's that reminds movie. me of, can I, can, I tell, can I tell you a quick story there that reminds Maybe. me of? Is a friend of mine, when Pirates Caribbean 2 came out, they, you know, the Pirates of Caribbean movies are all insanely right. long. Uh, so they were like, well, Jack's chained to the mast. I've been here for about two hours, so I could probably use the bathroom and still catch the end. So they go to the bathroom, they come back, and the credits are rolling. 
<laughs> and they're like, wait, what did I miss? I'm like, oh, Jack Sparrow got eaten and also Barbosa's back. And they're like, what? <laughs> right. Um, uh, I, that's, that's my go-to story with abrupt I mean, all, all 102 minutes of the 2005 Cinematic Masterwork Racing Stripes um, is worth watching, but it does end very suddenly. Um, there is actually, if you go into the special features, there is actually an alternate ending. Um, mm. That is much more memorable. Yeah, it says on my box, never before right. seen. Right, there, there are also a, additional it. scenes. You've I didn't watch those. <laughs> um, but the, I do actually kind of like the the uh, alternate ending. Um, the he, deleted scenes have Stripes, Reggie, and right. more. Sorry, he Sorry. Uh, Stripes, Frank, played by Frankie Muniz in A Role of a Lifetime. Um, he ends up hooking up with Mandy Moore, playing a horse in The Role of a Lifetime. A white horse, specifically. <laughs> um, I, I think that this is maybe one of the best, story uh, of you know, cinematic representations of a mixed race uh, relationship. Oh my god! We have the African zebra <laughs> and the white horse, and they have a child. You know, and they it start, opens with the human characters talking about um, what they should call it, um, and the. The dad is like, it's a Zorse. I looked it up on the internet. And everyone else is like, that's stupid, dad. Um, <laughs> anyways, it's much it's much better. Much better. <laughs> um, it actually like, kind of has some closure, even though Mandy Moore had like as many lines as Snoop Dogg. Actually, she had like one more line to Snoop Dogg. Um, but these are all rules of a lifetime. Congrats. So um, cherish each line that you have. Um, also, I think that this movie, um, unfortunately... It has not aged well, and that I feel like it is racist against Italians. Um, so uh, is this Joey, Joey Pants, Pants plays a yeah. seagull, sorry, a pelican. Um, pelican, yeah. That goes by the name Goose, um, who is essentially like a mafioso. Um, mm -hmm. And just. <laughs> that's, that's Joey Pants. Right. For you. <laughs> um, they make a couple Godfather references, which are actually pretty good. Um, at one point, he says to the, uh, the the Shetland pony, I think his name is Tuck or something, um, hey, don't talk to me, otherwise your head will end up in somebody's bed. And I thought that was actually pretty clever. Um, but a lot of it, I'm just like, I'm not Italian, and I feel uncomfortable. So a, a fun a fun story about this, this pelican that's strangely racist. I watched some of the bonus features, and they had a little featurette about... Um, Training can, animals. Can, can I just read the bonus features? I'm sorry. Can, or you, can you just... I think the bonus features on here are hysterical. Have you watched them? No, I just think the way it's listed on the back of this is really funny. Like, there's some things on here that shouldn't exist. <laughs> uh, yeah, the game, the comic is, book. Huh. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Tell, the, the comic book is literally labeled Virtual Comic Book. The racing yeah, I don't know prequel. what prequel because that's what there's no what? no need for a prequel. But we pick him up as baby zebra Moses, like you said. Like we what prequel. prequel do you have besides Drew? You gotta watch the director's commentary, um, by the way. Uh, I might. Um, <laughs> it, it, I think he's a I think it's a Quebecois uh, director. Uh, he has a French name and he has a French ish accent. Um, anyways. Um, so I was watching the, uh, as it's called on the back of the box, acting class with their with the animals and their trainers, um, and they were telling a story. I can't. I think it was the trainer for, um, I can't remember what animal it is. But one of the trainers, um, 
was working with the Pelican. She was not the Pelican trainer. Um, and she just like cheerfully is talking about the story of how she was once working with the Pelican. And the Pelican put her whole head inside her, like put her whole head into his mouth. Oh, wow. And she's just like talking about oh. it. Like, oh, this fun thing happened at work. Like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Um, so, oh my goodness. Uh, wait, Go wait. Ahead. I want you to do... Okay, so I looked at the director. Did you look at uh, the director? I did not look him up. Alright, I want you to guess what his one follow-up movie... Because he only made one movie after this, then he completely disappeared from Hollywood until he appeared in a documentary. In um, should I know what this movie uh, is? It is a film that's similar to Racing Stars. Oh, jeez. Like, very similar tone. Very similar kids' oh, movies. Uh, you can you can try to guess two, Tyler. It's two thousand and seven. That doesn't help me. I was paying attention to so years. So it's only two years after seven. Okay, but my point is, it's like when we were still right. kids. Um, uh, I don't know. You probably once you say it, I'll know it, but I don't. All right, Tyler, do you have a guess? Hold on, let me look it up and pretend to, that I know. No, if you look it up, then you'll know the <laughs> yeah. answer. No, I actually right. I, I didn't see that. So, all right, it's uh, it's Underdog, really? the live action Underdog movie. I feel like that, that, checks that, that does that check out. Checks that out. really does check out. <laughs> I slightly remember that that coming out. Isn't Patrick he, Warburton in that? And Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage wow. is in it. He's the yeah, bad guy. That's, that's almost as star-studded as Racing Stripes. Also, I believe Amy Adams is in it before Enchanted came out. Because hmm. I think Enchanted's 07. So, and Underdog was a summer movie. Um, I, I think I have one more note that I haven't hit yet. Um, mm-hmm. And that is the flies are the worst. There are two yes. flies. I remember the flies being in the right. market. Oh, if yeah. you, the menu is like the the rear end of <gasps> of our protagonist, if you will, uh, of stripes, um, and all of his different like lines are like the different options. And while yeah. you see that, like it's a still image, um, but there's the flies on there too, uh, buzz and scuzz. And they are bickering back and forth and like commenting on what you do. It's very, very much fitting of a 2005 cinematic masterwork called Racing Stripes. Mm-hmm. It's uh, David Spade and I forget. Uh, Steve Harvey, I think. Yeah. 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 Um, they're very so loud. Better. They're very obnoxious. And there's at least three fart jokes. And I don't even think mm-hmm. flies can fart. Yeah. Really? That actually seems very small. I no, like way more like fart explicit jokes. fart, like not not like subtle fart, like full camera fart jokes. Um, right, that's what we needed when we were talking. sure is. Um, they 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 literally <laughs> eat poop on screen. Uh, wait, I, this movie came out when it was nine because it came out in January. I wasn't um, yeah, I was wow. eleven or ten. Yeah, Tyler, I don't old. remember. I probably would have old. I am old, Danny. Um, I probably would have been 10 or 11. I don't feel like actually doing math or actually figuring out or caring. But you're 95 like me? Yeah, 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 Drew. I'm just kind of like, I'll just give an estimate of what age I was. Um, I don't remember. Aren't you? Wait, wait, no. I can do your, you're 95, right? You're 195, right? So you were nine. This came out in January 05. You're wearing. Cool. I'm older than you. Get off my back. (laughs) Yeah. I know, it's a surprise. surprise. It always surprises everyone. Uh, All right, do you have anything else you want to say about Racing Stripes? 
Um, no, unless you want to ask me quite. Oh, hang on. I do want to say something. Um, don't, even if it is legal, don't go and own a zebra. Um, they are, they're not good pets. Um, Kate of Hannah is, in fact, like the lead, human lead of this film. Um, and she got thrown off of the zebra that they were filming with and like, got a concussion, got really hurt. Um, and that was on a set with a highly trained zebra. So don't go buy a zebra. They are actually fairly inexpensive. Um, I was looking it up. I believe they're in like the four to $7,000 range. Um, but don't go and buy a zebra. It's a bad idea. This movie had four riders. They're also, they're also like super aggressive towards other animals too. <laughs> yes. The I've only heard. other animals yeah. that they should be around is a zebra. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, probably you well, would want to, to buy Moore. more than one zebra. Um, tell that to Mandy Moore. Anyways, um, that, that is uh, <laughs> 2005 Cinematic Masterpiece Racing Stripes, um, where they're all playing all right. a role of a lifetime, including Snoop Dogg with yeah. the Sweet Lines. Oh. <laughs> all right. So there's that's our green room, but make sure you check out our other green room episode where Tyler and I are going to discuss other movies that might be a little better esteemed than I Racing Stripes, but we know Racing Stripes not, is a true masterpiece. We do not speak ill of Racing Stripes in this house, Danny Vincent. Yes. I just said it was a Daniel masterpiece. Vincent. Get on my back. I said it was a masterpiece. Spoiler alert! From this point on, we will discuss the latest episode of 2011. Just kidding. Four is ten years old. We're ancient. We're going to talk about yep. it. No spoilers, no leaks, but we're going to talk about the episode, which is a movie. <laughs> Four. Directed by Kenneth Branagh. All right. This movie wants you to know it because it opens with like a Kenneth Branagh film, and then in the credits it goes like, directed by Kenneth Branagh, a Kenneth Branagh film. It's Kenneth Branagh. So let's uh, get, let's give our general thoughts on this. Drew, oh, you can go first. Okay, you're our guest. We haven't heard enough. I've literally you. just talked about racing stripes for like thirty <laughs> minutes. Um, well, glad you glad you came on to talk about it. I'm glad to give you that platform. Yeah, thank you. I've always wanted to talk about this 2005 cinematic masterpiece, uh, racing stripes, where everyone is playing a role of a lifetime. All right, but now we're talking about right, Thor. Thor. Uh, yeah. Um, so I think that I like this movie less now. Than, than when I sat down this morning to watch it. Can, can, I, can I say one thing very quick before you give more of your thoughts? Is Drew was explicitly invited onto this episode because he is my only friend I know who likes this movie. So, so I, I, have, I have seen this movie a couple of times. I remember it coming out of the theater and telling Danny, like, wow, I really expected this to be bad. Um, if, if there's one movie that like I thought would have been kind of sucky because, you know, just the, the general concept um it would have been this one but like i really got on board with this i thought they did a really nice job with it. i explicitly remember saying that i don't know if danny does and maybe it never happened no i this is this is this is uh this is um ringing a bell yeah i'm just remembering how later that summer we went to see green lantern and none of us liked that except for the yeah. friend you brought and i was very annoyed with the friend you brought because he was someone who insisted his opinion is right and there's no other way around it and I recognize that that is one of my qualities too. So. <laughs> to be fair, he has grown up. He went into the Marines and can now kill us all with his bare hands. So, um, oh, please don't listen to this. Uh, <laughs> no, no, you know, I've not talked um, to him about Green Lantern um, since then. You know, I remember also that day. 
is that was the day I stopped wearing the same three clothes right. every day, three shirts yeah. every day. And he, I was like, guys, check out my new shirts. And he's like, yeah, well, check out mine. He was just wearing like a player. Yeah. Player uh, he still, I think he still <laughs> has that Perry the Finest shirt, but it got like a big bleach stain on it. Um. <laughs> what, that's what he gets for. Anyways, um, <laughs> so anyways, back on and Thor. I've, I've watched I've watched Thor a couple times, um, two or three, maybe four times since since theaters. Um, mostly just when I was sick. This would be it was like always on Netflix, and so like oh I yeah. have I'm not feeling well. I'll yeah. put on Thor. Uh, so like, I have some like pleasant memories of watching I, Thor. Um, you're I Thor. Like early so. Marvel movies are very like Netflix teen right. stuff, you know, like. You could always check them out on iTunes. Right. Um, yeah. And, like, I still don't necessarily think it's bad. I just don't think it's necessarily aged well. It doesn't have a lot of the qualities mm-hmm. that um, we we kind of look for in the Marvel movies today. Can can I go next to mine? Because I, yeah, I can play off it. of that. I agree yeah. with you. Um, I think Thor is the quintessential formula phase one Marvel movie. When I saw Captain Marvel come out recently, recently, now it's been like two years, gee. And he's uh, been living in a time capsule. It's been two years <laughs> since Captain Marvel came out. How? I was that movie two years old. Uh, anyway, uh, I remember just being like, this is like a phase one Marvel movie, but not even a good one. It's like Thor. Uh, I, It really just suffers from its inability to fully embrace the source material in my mind. Uh, especially now that I've seen Ragnarok, even though I do think going back to this characterization of Thor is interesting because I think Thor one actually does a good job with a serious version of Thor, whereas Thor two, Thor is forgettable. And, and in of course, Avengers, we didn't wrote Thor, so he's no longer super serious right. too. Um, and then of course, Ragnarok on, he's no longer serious right. by any means. It's, uh, even though yeah, it's very much yeah. like a different Thor. Um, and I don't, but it's not, yeah, a I don't bad think it's necessarily Thor. any worse. I don't think that necessarily any of the characters, well, any of the main characters I don't think are the problem. Yeah, I think Loki is really, this was a really, this also was the go-to point, at, like, the one to point to where it's like, Marvel movies have at least one right. good villain. And people would point to Loki in this, yeah. not actually in the movie. Yeah, this, is, like, this most is where like Loki stands originated. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I thought that it was like it's overall a generic origin film at its base. Um, but I think this movie's best appreciated after watching it several times through. I I remember the first time that I watched it, I was kind of like, <laughs> "Can I make a joke?" I was like, yeah. you just like it's it's good watching several times through. I just imagine Tyler like sitting in front of his TV, <laughs> Clockwork Orange eyes opens, like play Thor on loop. <laughs> I just have Thor ten hours straight, and I just watched that. Yes, uh, but uh, but but yeah, I the first time that I watched it, I was kind of like, oh well, that I was honestly bored. Like it drug it drug for me at times, but uh, and it, I think this is kind of this is very similar to our. Uh, Civil War rewatch when we were like, oh, Wanda's not bad in this. And then it was like, well, is it because she really wasn't bad in Civil War or is it because we now have WandaVision that built up her story to where we like the character more now? To, um, and To me, that only really comes in here with Darcy. But even then, Darcy's never annoyed me in this movie. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people hate Darcy. Yeah. I've never had an issue with but, that. But, uh, 
but yeah, there are there are things that were seeded beginning with this movie that um I appreciate uh throughout um so yeah, especially like lots of thought went into the inclusion of like comic lore from this particular uh in this particular film. So uh yeah. Yeah, before we move on, I want to point out one thing which I I wanted to mention at some point I think now it actually be a good time is that you really think about it, it's crazy that this came out uh like 6 years is not a long time for movies. It really isn't. Uh in my opinion. 6 years later after this Ragnarok came out it basically rebooted the character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh which is pretty crazy to think cuz I would I can guarantee you, Drew, us leaving the theater, we would never imagine. No, absolutely. Even not. like being like, oh, we know the Avengers are absolutely coming. Absolutely not. I mean, even at that point, like I didn't, I didn't follow the movie news really. Um, I didn't really care about the production side yeah. of things. Even if you yell at me about things, I probably wouldn't even care. Like I, like I think, yeah, I think probably the only thing you really knew was Avengers. No, I like I remember I'm when Avengers came out. Like it was kind of just like, oh, I guess that came out. Like I didn't even really catch up any of the hype i saw avengers with you too. He, yes there's a there's a fun we story saw like a there, month after there's a girl out. i wanted to invite um to go see a movie <laughs> um, and just so happened to be avengers and so i asked danny for danny's movie called hey i want to ask a girl can can i bring her and he's like sure i guess um i asked her and she says no i i sincerely don't remember this but it also entirely um, rings a bell so I, I keep talking. Gets, I think this better. story is like, ooh, um, I can't remember And this. so <laughs> um, she says no, um, but it just so happens that my cousin was going to be in town at the same time. And th- our mother was like, oh, take your friend to, to movie club. with take Well, take your cousin to movie club with you. Go do something. Um, and so Danny was like, oh, you, um, oh, so you got shot down by this girl and now you're bringing your cousin. Cool. Um <laughs> Gee, was I that but harsh? You, you, oh you thought God. it was it was kind of <laughs> strange. Um, and then here's the, here's the real kicker: the girl I asked to go see Avenger was there with her sister. Oh, mm. oh, same That's showing. Really it was great. Hopefully, we never watch Million Dollar Arm because I have a sad story there. But I think yours is worse, honestly, because it's about Avengers and also it's relevant to this right. podcast. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about porn. i'm just laughing at you saying at, wait, wait you saying i'm just i was stuck on you saying like yeah you made fun of me because i brought my cousin <laughs> i'm like oh i probably did yeah that, that checks out right oh i'm preparing my dirty laundry i'm atoning for my sins like bucky i gotta make a book oh my God. <laughs> all right well danny uh before we get to digging in with this movie uh, why don't you read us some one one line letterbox reviews of all Thor? Right, these are all the ones on the first page for the most popular ones. Uh, three out of five from Patrick Willems. Uh, I forgot how hard this shifts from royal fantasy drama to wacky small town comedy. Tyler Luland gives it a two out of five. The Thor franchise went through a worse identity crisis than I did. <laughs> One and a half by three. There's no way they expect me to take this. I'm not going to. I'm not swearing on our podcast. Okay. Even though you've done it like two or three times. (laughs) Expect me to take this female dog seriously (laughs) with those ugly ass bleached eyebrows. Who had the. Oh, (laughs) four. I forgot about that. Yeah. I was like, who had the. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, Two and a half stars by Noelle. (laughs) 
Odin, this one's actually really good. Odin just collapsing as someone yells at him is a movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, three out of five by Mulaney. Uh, the glow up from this to Ragnarok is truly extraordinary. Uh, another one from three, one and a half stars. Just know this, son of coal. <laughs> Uh, uh, Alicia, uh, uh, I can't believe I couldn't read that. I was like, I had to, I was like that's really small font. Uh, Alicia gives it a four out of five, but she says, "Whoever thought it was a good idea to bleach Chris Hemsworth eyebrows like this? Let's talk." Uh, and then our last one we have is two and a half stars by Nice Guys. It's can someone point me in the direction of the person responsible for doing four so dirty with those ugly ass camera tilts? I just want to talk. All right, that's Letterbox's take on Thor One. There is lots of uh, ten years old. Uh, smashing <laughs> about the eyebrows. Definitely. To be fair, you can't see it. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Sunday Movies on YouTube pointed that out, and now yeah. I can't stop. It's it's yeah. Like, now, that, it's really now that you be, guys have. Now that you guys have called like called it out, yeah, it looks so strange, I'm and you can't very much aware. <laughs> He's like no definition to the top of his head. It's honestly bizarre. <laughs> you guys should uh, you want to see some real bleached eyebrows? This is my suggestion. If you watch Sound of Metal, because Olivia Cook has like white eyebrows in that movie, and it's so distracting. But then it's good because at the end of the movie, she bleaches, the, like, she unbleaches. Like, you know, she just dyes them back to brown. And it's like, oh, she does the opposite. God, I can see your eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She unbleaches. All right, shall That's, we dig yeah. in? Yeah, I'll go get my shovel. Nice. All right, so She's let's, uh, somewhere Danny's going to like to start is that cold open, Danny. Yeah, I love my Marvel cold opens. How about this Actually, I want to talk. Cold open, though. Well, okay. Before I delve into that, I think it's really interesting how this is a proto-Marvel code open in every way, because they're at Paramount, so they're not given the freedom to do whatever they want. Uh, not that I think it was a major decision at Disney to be like, yeah, you can start putting your logo after the beginning of the movie. Like, I'm sure that wasn't an argument. I'm sure no one cared. Uh, but this movie has a cold open in the sense that even though logos play, we get the cold open, and then it cuts to like two black cards of just Marvel Studios presents a Kenneth Branagh film. Which is kind of very weird to me, again, to see this movie just immediately labeled as a Kenneth Branagh yeah. film. Uh, the idea of Marvel movies being auteur really doesn't exist nowadays. Uh, I'd be curious if Thor uh, Love and Thunder opens with it. Because the only ones I know that open with it are, of course, the Guardians movies because they have the opening credits. Yep. And they open with a James Gunn film. Uh, but I thought it was interesting because this is formatted like a Marvel modern Marvel cold open. Uh, I don't think it's a good cold open. It's uh, very much a... Uh, you're probably wondering how I got here. It is type of thing. Yeah. so strange. Um, like I, as I've, I mentioned earlier, I've seen this movie several times, and I feel like I saw that opening for the first time today. I do not remember ever seeing it. And then it cuts into like the Lord of the Rings battle, and you'd think like, oh, we're going to tr- <laughs> we're going to try yes. to, you know, copy Lord of the Rings, the fantasy genre which is popular five years ago Mm -hmm. um, and do the big climax, like the huge battle epic thing right at the beginning, grab their attention. But no, they're doing this weird thing with these characters we don't know about and don't care about and not the reason we bought the ticket. Um, 
I would say it's interesting to compare this, and me and Tyler will discuss this later this year because it's also we're going to cover Captain America one down yeah. sometime this year because it's also its tenth anniversary. But I actually watched Captain America one about a month ago just for fun, and it does the same thing where it opens with people who aren't our main characters uh, and exists more to tie into the overall. Well, the thing is with Captain America it makes more sense because it ties into the Avengers storyline because right. it's and them there, there is like the actually day. here it's a, just like a time difference in that movie like there's modern day and yeah whereas that doesn't exist in Thor other than yeah. like a flashback it's it's really I think in a way I, well I actually don't I think the cold open is bad but I also think it's I don't want to say it's, I think it's weirdly necessary in the sense because if I went to this movie and I deal with 30 minutes of this awesome high fantasy storyline and just suddenly I'm stuck on Earth, I'm going to be... I, I am pretty disappointed in it. Let's be clear. I think that's the worst part of this movie. Uh, but at least it props me the fact that I'm going to get it. You know? Uh, I think it'd be worse if I didn't know I was going to get that while I'm watching it, personally. Yeah. Um, one thing. One thing for me was the opening Frost Giant battle which drew you had touched on is is this whole great big fantasy sequence that we didn't have context for it um and it's i i call it the odin's bedtime story because it's a bunch of exposition that we get right at the beginning of the story that we end up finding out through the rest like it's just repeated later on in the in the movie um so uh to me, I would, I don't like, uh, maybe unpopular opinion. I don't know, but uh, what I would think is, get rid of the frost giant battle, the big Odin's bedtime story, and open up with that great big uh, intro, like through space into Asgard, like introducing Asgard, and that being your your open. Yeah, if I'm making any know. sense I, there, I, I feel like I'm. Talking I like. I actually, I like the frost battle giant for uh, continuity's sake. Gotcha. And that's not like I'm not talking about like the MCU continuity. I'm saying within this film, yeah. Later on, we flash back to Odin finding Loki there, right? And I think to have the the aesthetic set up allows that moment to work. Gotcha. Whereas if we flash back to something we hadn't been at already, it wouldn't work as well. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I I can get that. Yeah. I also like. Oh, I just like Anthony Hopkins opening these movies with dramatic speeches because he does it. And actually, it's really in Thor two he does it, but it's like five minutes long, and they're like four separate prologues that he has to get through. Right. Uh, but it's just Anthony Hopkins like doing his due diligence and being like, "I wish I was shooting." I can't do an Anthony Hopkins voice. I wish I was shooting Transformers five right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh. I wish I, I wish I won the Oscar for Transformers Five. Uh, no. Then, the, then there's what I think was the best part of the film. No, 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 we're not. Yes! we're not jumping okay. that far yet. No, no, right. no. We have stuff to cover before that. We, 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 the notes for this episode are not as detailed as we normally make it. We're not jumping ahead thirty minutes and skipping the prologue entirely. Like you know, the prologue is in the stuff. With yeah, Thor. yeah. Uh, we get. I want to talk a bit about Thor's helmet. And how this was a big deal that Thor... I, I remember a lot of the discourse... Or discourse, that's in air quotes. But I was pretty heavily online even in 2011. So I remember a lot of the talking points for this movie. Uh, one of the talking points was that uh, 
it was too grounded. It, it was too busy trying to run away from its uh, crazy elements of the storyline, right? Mm-hmm. So the big one I was thinking is Thor's helmet was one thing people were talking about. And that's why uh, <laughs> it was a big deal in Ragnarok among the nerds. Because I don't think I don't really think we qualify as the nerds that Thor wears his helmet during the uh, the Hulk. Hulk fight. Yeah. Uh, but I actually think the helmet looks fine here. It's a nice helmet. Uh, I with, think with his uh, crowning ceremony intro. Yeah, yeah, the crowning ceremony. Yeah, I thought I thought that and, it was. Uh, I thought that it was more of like a ceremonial piece, like headpiece, rather than. Because that's all that he really uses it for in this film. What I, what, I, what I also think is funny about it is how, like, he has the hat in this that never shows up again. But then Loki's hat, like, is constantly in pretty much every Loki appearance. Yeah. Uh, I think that's I funny. think I heard somewhere uh, that, like, that helmet's, like, a huge pain to wear. Because, like, the... Yeah, because the, the Loki way the horns are shaped, a lot of the weight is, like, mm. off balance. So it's very hard yeah. to keep it up. That makes sense. I don't think I've ever said one of my favorite mo- like moments like this would if we ever cover whenever we cover Ragnarok this could very well make my favorite moment list is uh when he starts fighting with the helmet during the montage at the end during Immigrant Song and he just starts using the helmet like as a sword and I'm like this is great I love this why have they not done this before uh that's what I think about when I think of Loki's helmet even though it pops up constantly in this stuff uh but yeah uh what else do I want to talk about at the beginning uh, I, okay, I actually like the beginning. I think the first half hour is really good of this movie. Uh, it's the best part of the movie because hmm. it's all Asgard. It's all intriguing. Uh, it has the same issue that Marvel actually still has with Wakanda uh, in that we are introduced to this really cool world in the royalty, but we have absolutely no idea what the average right. person lives like. Yeah. And then, of course, later on in Ragnarok, we discover that Asgard is actually really small or else Hela killed a ton of people off screen. Uh and it's kind of weird, but I also don't have that much of an issue that, with that here. I think the production design is gorgeous, and I think this is when Branagh's direction best comes out, because he's very Shakespearean. Uh, and I like uh, a hot take. I know Tom Hiddleston is really good in these scenes. Uh, uh, Hiddleston's the... He's not... I don't have him listed as my favorite part of this movie, but he is uh, probably objectively everyone's favorite part of this movie. You know, like, critically speaking, you ask... 100 people, survey says, top answer on the board would be Loki's the best part of the movie. Oh, for sure. Uh, uh, and then what else? Oh, the last thing I wanted to say before we move on to Tyler's point is, I think, another thing I think about with the discourse is people are like, the Warriors 3 in this movie, they're a little underwritten, but maybe they'll get, ta- they'll get more in the sequels. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and But the thing is, that was like a common take among all the Marvel stuff at the time. I remember that also being a thing of Iron Man supporting characters. Uh, like Happy Hogan getting a big role, and again, eventually Happy Hogan did get a big role because Tony Stark right. died. Uh, <laughs> and then, but what also comes out to me more is uh, Captain America. Uh, people kept on expecting us to get more delving into like Peggy Carter or Tommy Lee Jones's characters and like follow up projects that would have been set around that time, and we never got it. I'm not really sad we never did though, especially for the Warriors story. I don't think the they they work as archetypical friends. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There there were actually, and we'll talk more in depth about like the deleted scenes later. Because there, I I think the deleted scenes from this film 
should have been kept in because this movie clocks out at like is it two hours is right it under two, two hours. hours like an hour 50 yeah something. so uh, in, well it's two hours with and credits. right now so and right yeah right now our average mcu film is right around two hours and 30 minutes you know um so mm, that's well no i'm sorry that's the average avengers yeah movie. that's what i'm uh, thinking that's what i'm thinking of yeah it's more like yeah. two hours i'll look at what ragnarok is right now okay go on yeah but anyways so i but i think like i said you need to spend as much time getting your doing your characters do justice and doing your story do justice which i mean if you do if you treat your characters correctly you'll do your story do justice i mean that helps in the matter so what i'm getting at is there are like quite a lot of good deleted scenes that revolve around the warriors three that we didn't get in the in the final film that i think would have added a lot more just atmosphere to these characters and uh therefore also building up with with thor because of their their interactions with uh with him uh so like uh for example we get in one scene the warriors three discuss heimdall um it's more volstag discussing heimdall and he talks about how uh heimdall can hear you no matter no matter where you are and uh uh, Fandral makes fun of him for it, and uh, Heimdall Heimdall looks it up at the sky and he's like, "Oh, uh, please forgive him. He he means no harm." Like t- like he's talking to Heimdall, and then later on, which that actually sets up a joke later on in the in the film when a uh, when the Warriors three are pacing around the room, um, talking about what they're going to do to save Thor to bring him back to the uh, to Asgard. Um, and, uh, Valsag says something about like, oh guys, we need to be quiet because of Heimdall, because he's going to hear us. And then, uh, the guard walks up and says, Heimdall wants to see you now. And then he's like, we're doomed. Um, that would have been much funnier. Would have, there would have been a much better payoff because we had that prior build up to it, yeah. you know? Um, and it, and like watching the deleted scenes, I'm like, you know, I would have liked the Warriors three more than what there than what there was. Um, yeah, if we if we had these uh, deleted scenes included, so, uh, I'm very curious on what Sif's role will be in. Uh, Lucky I am too. Yeah, she's been confirmed for. Yeah, uh, and lucky her that she could t- she was busy during Ragnarok, so she didn't die. Because uh, that is what would have definitely happened. Yeah. You know? That's what would have made sense for that. So lucky here that she missed out on that. All right. Now we can talk about what you have on your list. All Tyler. right. So best part of the movie is Thor is cocky and he runs off to Jotunheim with his pals. And he's like, hey, we're going to fight everybody. Or we're going to start a war. And then he gets saved by his dad. And his dad's like, hey, you shouldn't have done that. And then he gets them all back to Asgard. And then he's like, hey, look. You really shouldn't have done that. I'm going to take your hammer away from you. And then Loki's like, hey, no, don't do it. And what does Odin say? Is it <laughs> any great line was, of like, listen, with great response, with great power comes great responsibility. Great no. Wait, are you telling me we could have had that line in the MCU at some point? That would be maybe, amazing. Maybe Odin. Oh, can we ever hear that during the MCU? But, but Odin, <laughs> Odin instead, 
turns to Loki and says, Argh! and that's all we get. <laughs> I just, I, I, I adore Anthony Hopkins in this movie more than the other two. He really uh, hams it up. Yeah. Uh, one of my biggest sadnesses of Ragnarok, and I get why it happened, is uh, initially it was supposed to be that uh, Odin had been living as a homeless man in New York, but everyone thought it was crazy. Yep. Uh, and there's set photos of it. And the set photos, like, have Anthony Hopkins dressed up like a bum. And he, like, has his tongue out. And he's like, ah! <laughs> Like, he, you can tell he's, like, going insane. Yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, we missed this hammy Anthony Hopkins. Because it didn't do, it makes sense. It didn't do well on test screens. People were like, wow, that doesn't make me want to, like, Loki at all that he did this to his dad. Right. Like, it makes sense why they had to reshoot it. But it's like, ah, please release. If they can release the Zemo cut, they can release the Hopkins <laughs> bum footage. Uh, I want to see that someday. Uh. But yeah, uh, I think Hopkins is great in that scene. Well, he's great throughout, but that scene in particular, because he also, he's just so, he's so like, oh, you want me to do Shakespeare, Kenny? I can give you some Shakespeare. Right. And he goes, go, he, what, what else? He's like, he's like, I cast you out. Yes. <laughs> he, he really hits those highs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have in my notes that this is what he should have won a second Oscar for. Why didn't he? Why didn't he be? Who won the Oscar in twenty eleven? I got look. Who won supporting oh actor? My. Is are they better than Anthony Hopkins in this? I'm gonna find out right now. Keep talking, everyone. Um, <laughs> I, one thing I kind of want to mention is the fight on Jotunheim. Like it, it's just yeah. so unclear. Like I felt like it just wasn't shot very well. It was very two thousand eleven action scene to me. Like I did. Yeah. There was no ge- no sense of geography, um, or stakes re- uh, really. Um, even though um, a certain Warriors three did get injured, I still felt mm-hmm. like we were just playing with action figures, um, which is just yeah. a pitfall of Thor and Asgard. I think. Well, I was gonna say I think all Mar- I think it took until Avengers for Marvel to actually get um, a good action. Scene. Yeah, gotcha. I mean, I, I, I Iron Man two might yeah. have a good one. I, I I might give credit. I have to rewatch Iron Man. I think if we if we ignore like the. Um, the final battle in Iron Man One, I think those are okay. Like when he goes into the, the... Uh, well, there's I don't think there's much. I mean, action that's fair. To it. It's like he goes somewhere and he shoots something, and he's like, "Oh, right. that's it." I mean, it's well, it's. I think you could call it action, but I I like the beat in the Jotunheim fight with the hammer. I know that's very vague, mm-hmm. but there's like a moment where Thor like throws it and it like hits like five or six people. I like that beat, and it reminded me of the great the opening right. of. Um, I think I think like the Thor where, stuff in that uh, scene is good, but all the stuff with the Warriors Three, I'm like, well, who is doing what? Who has what? Uh, and the Loki stuff is just there to set up right. his powers. Yeah, the Loki stuff is just there to set up his powers. Yeah, I, I think looking at this movie and then going to Ragnarok's critique of colonialism. I know. I people people get mad at me for talking about how I think Ragnarok is about well, it's not think it is about colonialism, but it's not. People are like it's not a, the main point. But I think looking at this movie's like glorification of Odin without really examining his issues is interesting to compare to Ragnarok, which is very much no, this guy is a flawed yeah. man. Uh, but this movie right. never once like would yeah, even question like, oh, right. I want to be like, and he you comes in and he saves the, the day. You're the best king, a best father anyone could ever wish for. Which to jump way ahead to the end, I think it's really funny to look at all these movies, these Thor movies, right? And the whole point of the Thor movies is for Thor to become a great king, and Ragnarok does do that. And then, of course, 
<laughs> of course. But when he said, you'll be a great king today, I just kept thinking about how now in the MCU, the current king of Asgard is Valkyrie. And I just kind of was like, well, that's annoying because I love Valkyrie, uh, but Thor should be king of Asgard. And hopefully at some point we get back there. Uh, Valkyrie deserves her own. Maybe we'll get that in the Valkyrie Matt Damon show. Yeah. Yeah. Matt Damon can be her queen. Right. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Anyway. uh, So Odin casts Thor to Earth and we make it back to the Media Res opening. uh, Where... If you guys ever... This is just me riffing for a second. If you guys ever imagine, like, what if you watched a movie, right? Where it has an immediate res opening, but then when you reach back to the point they make, you watch the entire scene exactly the same way. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, wait, what? And it was at no different camera angles, no cuts. You just have to watch it all again. <laughs> like you, you died. died it, in a that box doesn't happen here. That's cool. What? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I it's, it's like that um, resident, that Resident Evil. Like, if you die during a Resident Evil fight, and it's just this great big, you died, zooming up on the on the screen. And it's like, yeah, I just want to skip. I know. I know that I died. Yeah. Anyways. I like, uh, I like how to go back to what we were saying about the Warriors 3, which I think is pretty funny, is the, uh, you know, like I was saying, like, people really want to see more of the Warriors 3. And I'm like, they didn't get to. But you know what we did get more of? We got more of Stellan Skarsgård. We got more of uh, Kat Dennings in the MCU. Yeah. <laughs> we got as much of that as you want. Like they never, they never really. Uh... Although I will always say my big, my my big disappointment. Well, okay, my big disappointment of no cameo in Endgame is that Paul Bettany didn't show up. But my big disappointment in both of them is that Stellan couldn't show up. Because mm-hmm. Stellan to me felt like he and uh, Clark Gregg are really staples of the first phase to me. Yeah. Uh, Clark Gregg more so because he's in more of it, uh, but I think Stellan is really good here. Uh, hot take, I know. Uh, but yeah, uh, this is the part of the podcast where you get to the part where I think Thor's Thor's kind of a boring movie. Thor, <laughs> uh, I don't really know. Like it's like we get a good joke where he goes another yeah uh, another one. Uh, we get him tied to a straight track. I want to look up one thing about this movie. I think this film was shot on film. Uh, like on on actual film and not... Yeah. yeah, Marvel movies now are all shot digitally. That would uh, make I don't know sense they, they to, as to like the... The look of the film has is a good, very, I don't, I don't want to say like grainy. Well, I like it. that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it works. It show? works for for the movie. Uh, chronologically, I feel like the next thing that happens that's kind of big is we get the Iron Man two post credits scene uh, with a Stan Lee cameo added to um, it. As, uh, yeah. No, are we, are um, I was just thinking about oh, how yeah, okay. yeah. in the per- previous podcast you were talking about how it's the those end credit scenes should be something that like isn't necessary to know. Um, and as yeah. I was watching this, I'm like, this kind of fits that. Because, like, I know this is the end credits scene. And then they literally do it again in the movie. If you didn't see it, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I Yeah, I keep thinking about that with WandaVision. Because I know uh, one person I follow, I don't know if I mentioned this before, Film Crit Hulk. Uh, 
in his recaps for WandaVision, he like very proudly was like, I'm not watching the post credit scene because most people watching the show aren't going to watch the post credit scene. And sure enough, the finale comes out and, you know, there's nothing seeding Grey Vision popping up other than the post credit scene. So it's like, yeah. That, well, I, I, I think it's the right way. I think it's a perfectly viable way to watch the show because you shouldn't have to sit through the credits. But you should watch. Sit, you should sit through the credits so that you give all the people who worked on it their due diligence and and thanks. That's true, and I like uh, I like uh, I like credits. I think credits are well before they become scrolling. I think credits are cool. Um, designed going to the, the very end of this film to the credits. Um, I was very um, so you have like the nice orchestral music and then it cuts into like your very like. It cuts into like that yes, that alternative to like twenty ten sound. I'm like, wait, whoa, what is this? Why yeah. is this? Speaking of why is why is this show called Why? <laughs> why are you Dan and why are you Ty? Um, since neither of you go by that, why? <laughs> <laughs> Just that is a really good question. Yeah. So, so you mentioned the score. <laughs> Avengers does it too, where they just get to this alternative rock music. That's yeah. What's, I don't. I don't what's understand. What's so weird it. is yeah. I like leaving the credits to roll for the score, and I like Patrick Doyle's score mm-hmm. in this movie a ton. So I was ready to let it scroll, but then it was like this. The song came on, and I saw the skip credits being the credits. Yeah, I was like, yeah, okay. Okay, is it there? Four two. Thor. See, I, I don't want to listen to that music. I just want to be like, because 2011. That's, it's the only explanation. I, like, it doesn't... Yeah. Do you guys remember the first Avengers trailer? It's like set to a Nickelback song. And it was such a big deal. that the, like Everyone's like, this is going to be the big trailer. It's going to be a big deal for next year. And the first trailer set it to a Nickelback actually... song. That's like, we're in this together now. <laughs> that's that's what the first trailer for Avengers One was set to. Yeah, no, Thor Two doesn't do the doesn't go into the like mid two thousands. I think they dropped the post Avengers. I think Iron Man Three doesn't have it either. I think post Avengers didn't. Yeah, it yeah. And then Guardians, of course, uses its archive. Its own. Yeah. It doesn't. Oh wait, no, Black Panther has an original song, but that's okay. Like it's Kendrick Lamar. No one's mad about right. That. Uh. And we, it's not, that's like the rare Marvel movie where the score is actually mixed in well. Uh, well, I know you don't because like it. Because it's, it's, rel- it. <laughs> it's relative to the, I don't, the I don't well, no, not I, like it. It's just mm, not my favorite. Well, no, 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 no. I, I, I meant like, you hate the score. You hate Ludwig. I'm kidding. I know you don't like it. I know you, I actually, you're one of the few people I know who like goes to the bat, I think, for the Creed soundtrack. For, so. Uh, do I? Maybe. Score. I don't, don't know. You? I mean, or not. I think I think I remember Maybe. you liking it at the time, but it's been like yeah, six yeah, years I haven't since seen it came since out. It so isn't. you should uh, rewatch it. It's close to the quality of Race and Stripes. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, now would be a good time to talk about the score in this movie because uh, I told Tyler in the past on this podcast that I really like the Thor one score, and I still like the Thor one score. I think it's a very good score. The main theme is great. Uh, the one that plays in the credits uh, is a great theme for Thor, and it plays throughout the movie too. It's called Sons of Odin. Uh, I think it does. I don't remember if this film has a good Loki theme though. Uh, it's really just the main theme that's really good here, and also the fact that Patrick Doyle is a good composer. Yeah, Loki doesn't really get a. To me, it, he doesn't really get a good 
decent theme until Dark World. Where and even then, it's just a little, a little playing around I will, with some. I will take orchestrals, but I will take the Thor theme here over anything in the Dark World. Uh, the Thor theme here is really good. Well, I'm saying yeah, music wise. Yeah. Well, I'd also probably take this whole movie from the Dark World. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I think the score here is great. It's mixed well. I think it's such a bummer that I always go back to this: is that Sylvester never used themes besides his in the Avengers yeah. movies. Uh, except for the good moment in Infinity War where they, he blares the Wakanda theme, mm-hmm. and that that moment is great. That moment's hype. Yeah, uh, but no one else. He doesn't. That's something we'll have to talk about guy. in the Avengers episode, like when we do any yeah, of those. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but now now that we reviewed on the Thor theme, we can we can talk about that. So, uh, okay, so we got the Coulson stuff in this movie, which includes Hawkeye's first MCU appearance. Where he goes, should I shoot this guy? Because I'm sitting at this trailer in New Mexico where, just in case you need me on this very low-level yeah. mission. Uh, I like this guy. Never mind. I'm out. Also, See you next also, year in a movie. Fact, See you next year in Avengers. Colson's like, I need someone up there with a gun. And then he, we get the shot of the <laughs> reaching for the gun. And then he's like, no, the bow. And I just... Such an amazing intro. So, oh my goodness. Yeah. So, but does this imply that Hawkeye has so like, excellent accuracy with the gun? And if so, why not use a gun, which is in almost every conceivable way a better weapon? Uh, because I Hawkeye mean, they are cool. Maybe, maybe the Hawkeye show will cover this. We should make this be what one maybe, of us asked for in the future. It's more hot. That, that's my takeaway from Thor One. I want to know more about Hawkeye's guns. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll get this moment of like. It's gonna okay. So Hawkeye's gonna open up with the like same type of scene that we get at the very beginning of Avengers Endgame with um, with Hawkeye now you know teaching his now more adult daughter uh, like about shooting the bow, like teaching her how to shoot the bow, and then she like pulls back on the arrow, and then he's like, "All right, and now just focus, and then release the arrow, focus on your target, and release the arrow," and she stops. And then blows her bow, and she's like, "Dad, why did you never use guns?" (laughs) And then we'll cut to credits, and that'll be your cold open. No, the Marvel logo. The Marvel logo just starts playing. We see. Maybe, maybe Auntie Nat would still be alive if you could have just shot Thanos instead. (laughs) 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 Oh my god! I as a man, that would be amazing. Maybe that. Honestly, that's probably why. uh, What's it? Why Bucky was dusted? Because Bucky only ever uses guns. So it was dusted, so they, right. there was no guns available. Yeah, yeah, that make, that checks out. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, so Coulson's in this. He does his Coulson thing, which is usually charismatic, but I don't know. I find him a little annoying here. Uh, on, I find I find most of the Earth stuff annoying. Oh, we don't have this in the notes, but we have to talk about it. Oh yeah, the love story. Yeah, like it, yeah. I felt like we it didn't exist until. It. <laughs> Eric Solvik was like, I've seen the way she looks at you. And then suddenly it's like, romance subplot. Like, it just yeah. came out of nowhere. I like Natalie Portman's shirt. It had like a cloud on it. That was my takeaway from all the love scenes. Like, oh, Natalie Portman, you styling. Uh, well, okay, my actual takeaway from the love scenes. <laughs> I'm so, uh, I'm so lost. Line, Sorry. <laughs> the actual takeaway from the love story I got was... um. Uh, as you guys know, I have another podcast called The Snub Club, 
uh, and we're watching old Hollywood movies in it. And one thing, we're three movies in. The first one was uh, uh, was a gangster movie. That one doesn't matter. But the second one was a movie, a romantic musical. And the third one was a romantic drama. And both of them have this thing where they literally meet, and the next scene they're madly in love with each other. Mm-hmm. Worked a lot better in the, the comedy one. Because in the drama, it's like, then it's just like, oh, we have to separate. And it's like, I can't be with anyone without you. And that's how I felt here. None of it really works. Yeah. Because it all depends on you really caring for their relationship. And like at the end where he's like, how's the girl? And like and they're asking Sif about it. It's like Sif should be annoyed because Sif's known for, for what, hundreds of years. He's known this girl for two days. Right. I mean, Natalie Portman. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. yeah. I, it's, uh, I also it's, uh, really... I Anakin Skywalker. Like, I understand the importance of having the scene where they're on the rooftop and they're and like he teaches her about the the uh, bifrost. I actually don't like that and scene. Like, well, <laughs> to me, I'm like, if you're going to have any type of romance, even like built, you know, building, you've got to have this more intimate moment where they can at least relate to each to each other, and uh, and we we get that kind of with the with the uh rooftop campfire but the weirdest part is he goes he says something about and here in the ninth realm is asgard where i'm from and we go into this weird shot of the moon and then we go back down to the campfire and we see natalie portman turn over to her side and she falls asleep and then Thor tucks her in with his with the blanket and he says, Thank you, Jane. And then he goes to sleep. And I'm like, this is so <laughs> weird. It is like the What I like it I don't like that scene because it just reiterates exposition we already had in the yeah. movie. Particularly with the because it's like she says to Selvig, uh magic is just science we don't understand yet. And then Thor tells her that the exact same thing. And it's like, okay. She doesn't seem particularly yeah. validated by that stance. So you're just repeating the exposition that this is not magic. We want you to know. Actually, this movie just has exposition problems. Um, either they yeah. don't explain things. Like, yeah. they, I don't think they ever actually explained what the Odin sleep was. They're just like, oh, mm-hmm. he passed out. This is a thing he does from he time does to time. He does this sometimes. They never explain <laughs> it. Um, but then they go into painstaking detail about other things. Um, like... Heimdall very explicitly says, if we keep the bridge open, it will destroy Jotunheim. You're like, that's oddly specific information to tell these people who already know what's going on. Um, yeah. And then he comes back in the climax. Well, he's trying to destroy Jotunheim. Okay, cool. Um, but then, like, the same thing, like, they, they talk about and he, oh, he, things over and the over. The only thing that cues that he wakes up is that Thor gets the hammer, too. Like, that is the old, and it's like a really quick cut to his eye opening, and then he doesn't show up again until you know the big scene at the end. So it's like, all right, Odin. It's a literal do it Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, because Odin's a guy. Yeah, uh, I don't really okay. I, I and that makes me sound like I'm more annoyed with it than I am. I'm more annoyed that it's not explained, as you said. It's just yeah, kind of like, like yeah, this uh, yeah. Odin sleep thing. Like I'm sure it's something based in either the comics and or the mythology. But like I don't understand what it is, right? Or its uh, purpose. And then, 
All right, I want to get through plot things, and then we can go through our actual notes. Uh, blah, 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 stuff happens. Uh, <laughs> the Destroyer. What do you guys think of the Destroyer? The, the, yeah. It is a cool design. Um, I remember it being a, another big part of the conversation was that this was, like, the first time – not the last time, because it actually reminds me of the airport fight now, that we have this fight in this very empty set. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it reminds me of the airport fight now. At least this uh, has the focus a bit of Selvig and Thor being like, we got to evacuate these people of this small town. Uh, I don't mind the fight. It's very clearly there because they need a big fight, though. The Loki and Thor fight is too not explosion. Yeah, right. So they have to have this. Uh, I don't know. There, there's, there's like a lot of this movie. It works, but just there's enough. a deleted. There's a deleted scene. I know I'm on about my deleted scenes. Um. There's a deleted scene. Release the brown knockout. <laughs> there's a deleted scene where uh, Selvig, like when they're when they're running out of the town from the destroyer, um, and the destroyer blows up a building, a piece of glass gets stuck in Selvig's side, and he collapses to the ground. And then Thor actually saves Selvig, and uh, we and I, yeah, he saves Selvig using a healing stone. Um, from Asgard that he got from one of the warriors from the Warriors Three, and I I liked I liked that scene because it's not finished. Um, so it was cut, I guess, relatively early. Give but, it, uh, give Branagh seventy million dollars to, to complete his vision. vision. But if he <laughs> like that that scene there did more of a redemption for to me did more of a redemption for Thor than than some of the other I don't to me it it only adds ah. to to him being redeemed. I I would agree though with the cut. I don't think that I think Thor's redemption in this movie is actually decently done. I think him walking up to a robot to try to talk it down and then just getting beat up that works. Yeah. You know? Like, it's him having honor. It's him being like, you can kill me, but no one else here. Uh, That's something he would never do at the beginning of the movie. Uh, I don't think his redemption's earned because it's all baked into the Natalie Portman love love story. Uh, But that moment to me works. Uh, Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Is there anything else in the movie plot-wise you guys want to talk about? Uh, The Rainbow Bridge gets destroyed. I want to talk about Heimdall more, but it's going to be more of a general Heimdall talk. Uh, but is there anything about the movie scene wise that we don't have in our notes uh, you want to talk no, about? Not, um, just just the like I like the attempt to weave other Phase One films in with yeah. this film. Uh, they had a few Hulk mentions and uh, a Tony Stark mention when they talked about the Destroyer. Uh, so yeah. Uh, I okay. I do like yeah. that kinda. Uh, it's very much though what happened in the early marvel movies where they're like we want you to make sure you remember these are right uh and that kind of returned when spider-man happened and i actually i i that was my opinion on falcon and winter soldier is that it has a lot of that especially in the first half of the show where they're like we want to make sure you know this tv show is a part of the marvel universe so we're going to mention all these marvel stuff outside of captain america uh like tony mm-hmm. we're gonna, like you yeah. know what i mean like everyone yeah. is mentioned in, like they talk about doctor strange at one point and it's just for a joke uh, and that's what that reminded me of here. But I don't mind it. I think Coulson, though, does a better job weaving it in like than anyone else. Right, and it's Coulson. And, like, and that's where the Tony Stark mention comes from. The MCU is just 
the guy who bounces around and ties all this together. To facilitate the crossover, but isn't as big right. as Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Nick Fury. Yeah. Uh, all right. So getting to our fun topics is Idris Elba in this movie. I am of the opinion that Idris Elba as Heimdall is one of the biggest wastes the MCU ever did for an actor, even though he's in like five or six of these movies. He should have had a much better role in these movies than the role of Heimdall. Uh, I'll talk about that more, especially when we get to Ragnarok, because I think it's such a shame that he doesn't get to be funny in Ragnarok when everyone else does. Uh, But what's weird in this one is that his voice is distorted, too. Uh, and I didn't. I don't get why. I'm glad the sequels left that they behind. They upped the bass, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, the bass is. It's very yeah, distorted, to me, and I don't like one it. One scene um, that I, I'm specifically thinking of when he uh, he's questioning the Warriors Three, and he's like, "You dare!" And it's just super bass. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't need to be distorted. Idris Elba is like he's, he's talented. Got, yeah. Like. Let him talk. Let yeah, he's got a good voice anyway. Uh, honestly, Idris is the type of. I'm happy he has the role in the Suicide Squad this summer because I want him to have a blockbuster role that isn't just either he's a villain or he's here where he does nothing. Yeah. Uh, uh, the next note I have is that the Dr Pepper product placement really brought me back to 2011. Uh, <laughs> All these movies used to have these Dr. Pepper tie They still do. I know Wonder Woman had a Dr. Pepper tie Almost definitely. Yeah. But doc- they weren't as predicated on the film having the product placement as they are now. Mm-hmm. As they they were then. Because this like has like a shot during the climax where the camera pans to a Dr. Pepper vending machine, stops for a second, then keeps panic. And it really stands... I also remember uh, in Avengers... Uh, there's a shot of a Dr. Pepper truck exploding in the third act. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, the, the one that always sticks out to me, it's not Marvel, but it is Marvel adjacent, as we've mentioned it several times already tonight, uh, or whenever you're listening to this, because we exist in a timeless void, um, of the M- M- Mountain Dew machine that gets turned into a yeah. at the end of the first one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. This is a Transformers episode. Actually, Transformers, I think Transformers got a Guinness... Did it get a Guinness World Record for most, like, product placement? Uh, I believe yeah. it. Uh, I, oh, I'm going to look that up way, now. To jump back a ton, I forgot to mention this. The average Marvel movie link is two hours and ten minutes. Uh, <laughs> oh. Well, sorry, then... I did look it up. So that's just another way this movie is below average. Yeah. Well, not, it's not by much. Well, actually, see, I don't know if that's still, the average length. That's make, what Ragnarok is. It would still make time yeah. with the deleted scenes added in there. You know what? I'm going to do one thing really quick. I'm going to look. You know what? No, I'm not. Who cares? It's runtime. So who, who, who really cares? Okay. <laughs> no one's listening to me like, let's, let's hear them discuss the Marvel runtimes. Uh, my last note for myself, and then we'll move on to Tyler's note, and then we can wrap up for, because we're all a little tired. And honestly, I... I don't think there's much to discuss here. I'm glad Drew came on to talk about Racing Stripes. Uh, but I think you'd agree there's not much to talk about Thor. We should talk no. more about Racing Stripes. There, there, um, there really isn't. Um, yeah. And Racing <laughs> Stripes, Four the 2005 movies. cinematic masterwork. Um, uh, I will say that there's only one, I think there's only one Marvel alum in Racing Stripes. Um, uh, who'd that yes, be? Yes, there's only one. Uh, it is a Michael Rosenbaum who is in Guardians 2 in the post credit scene as one of the random people. Very specific, very tenuous. I like it. 
Yeah, exactly. That's why I was honestly looking at it when we were talking. I was like, is there any MCU people in this movie? And it's like, nope, there are none. Which is surprising because there's a lot of big names in that movie. Yeah, exactly. The 2005 Cinematic Masterwork, Racing Stripes, is the movie yeah. I'm referring to there. Back to Thor. Uh, this is 10 years old, uh, which we've discussed before. But I thought, particularly, Tom Hiddleston looks so young in this. And it's weird. Because yes. Thor is a year later. No, Avengers is a year later. And I don't think he looks super young in Avengers. But in this, no. I'm like, wow, you look like a, like maybe... 20 like you look younger than me you look like 23 24 I, there are times in this film where he looks like a lost puppy i would yeah. wholeheartedly agree with that i also thought he was really young i just thought maybe i'm weird so i'm glad you mentioned it yeah it's, <laughs> it, it, it really was like what why does like i i was very confused yeah not, but not like I, it wasn't like a detriment to the film i was like whoa how do you age so much in a year? <laughs> like, frost, frost giants age differently, I guess. I don't know. It's really funny if, because, uh, uh, you know, the Loki show takes place after Avengers. So if you think about it, this show takes place a year before how Tom Hiddleston looks in the Loki show. Uh, so it's just kind of like, huh, all right. That's uh, not, it's not an issue. Obviously, I don't want them to use the aging software on Tom Hiddleston. That'd be ludicrous. Uh Please don't do that, Marvel. Uh, but yeah, he just looks young here. And then, Tyler, you get to close us out. Well, no, we do have to discuss, as we always discuss, the post-credit scene. Uh, but we will have you talk about the cinematography first. Yeah, so there's the the Dutch angles, the camera work, to mimic the comic book framing. It's really, really weird. And you get to doing this this weird like thing where it's like, okay, yeah, I just want to watch the film like on a flat horizon, you know, rather than having the, the weird angles, the Dutch angles work sparingly, but yeah, that's, it's, it's like camera gimbals gone crazy. I don't know if you've ever used a, a gimbal before, but uh, it's like when they're unbalanced and you're holding them and the cameras just wrote, it's gone into this death roll and where it's just rolling a whole ton. And, that's the type of shots that you get with uh, when that happens. Anyways, Danny, what were you saying? Uh, I would say this is just kind of a, a Bragna thing. Also, like Bra- this is Bragna's uh, signature style. He likes Dutch angles. You watch Cinderella, which is his other big blockbuster he did recently. The one with Richard Madden? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That is Dutch angles. The Murder on the Orient remake he did has Dutch angles. I like your viewpoint of it, but I also just think it's Dutch angles. You know, that's what Bragna it, it, yeah, yeah it's, it's strange it really hit me in the um and like i really i only noticed it when they were in the camp um that that that's where it really hit me. You know like it, it was like it would it did a dead angle for a shot it cut to something else and went back to it it's like Whoa, and yeah is isn't it like strange. during the action scene too like the action is also with dutch angles in that sequence um it, it might have been i didn't notice it um, yeah. I think with with it being the static shot with all the people just standing there with nothing really happening with them just having a conversation, that, yeah. that really drew my eye towards it. Because like if things are moving, it can be kind of hard to tell what that orientation is. Mm. Uh, I do want to say really quick, and then we'll move on, is I was trying to search the Wikipedia article for cinematography to see if there's any like I like notes from a cinematographer. And what came up is this is really interesting to me, is that the Empire Awards, which is presented by Empire Magazine, had an award for literally two years for best 3D film. Um and the reason this is interesting is twofold. Is I remember Thor 
like, this was one of those movies that notoriously had bad 3D. It was like a part of the critical reviews. Like, if you look up reviews of it, people are like, don't see this in 3D no matter what. It's terrible. Uh, but the other thing that's really interesting to me is that the awards, the, this award lasted for two years, and they consistently gave it to the film that was not considered to have the best 3D of that year. Uh, <laughs> it went to the Tintin movie the same year Hugo came out, and then it went to the Dread remake the same year Life of Pi came out. I assume that's funny. I want that on the record. Uh, <laughs> we are all, right. all laughing, and we find it hysterical. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, the post credit scene, as we discussed. I think this is a solid post credit scene. Uh, I'm going to look up where it ranks in my post credit scene list, because as you remember, I have a ranked post credit scene list on Letterboxd. Uh, I think it's probably mid-tier. Because I think it's and the fact that it ends up being non-canon is very odd. Uh, but yeah, um, what happened in the? I honestly don't remember. I don't. Yeah, know. I don't remember either. Oh, actually, this ranks seventeen out of twenty-three, so it's not a good post credits. Sorry, yes. I was lying. Uh, it's Selvig gets recruited by Nick Fury to work on the Tesseract. Oh yeah, Loki is influencing him. Oh that's yes, not I really did. canon because Loki doesn't actually influence him. I did watch it. Um, I remember being confused at the time, and I'm still confused. That's probably why I <laughs> forgot all about it. Yeah, it's not. It's not really that good. Uh, anyway, so now uh, we can move on. To, oh, do we want to talk about if we'd rewatch this movie or not? I think the answer is pretty clear. I, if I were sick, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I'd rewatch it if I'm gonna rewatch everything, all of the MCU films in order again. I'd rewatch it if I rewatched it for a podcast. I'd rewatch it, but that's about it. I could see the only reason I can see myself really rewatching this is if uh, Hemsworth announced out of time what his last Thor movie will be. That would be the only reason I would see myself going back to this. To yeah, be, like watching all of them. Uh, all right, now our why is awards. Uh, the MVP. Uh, our guest gets to start. So my MVP is the Warrior Warrior Three with the really good hair and the mustache. All right, peak of peak of fashion. Good. All right. Yeah. Uh, you Ty 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 No, I was gonna say Ty. Like, oh, as in Ty and Dan. <laughs> uh, Stellan Skarsgård. He's good. Um, yeah, yeah. I I really enjoyed enjoyed him, and he he kind of grounded the. The uh, Earth, the Earth uh, scenes when it, he was kind of like okay, like he was he was the audience, you know. Still, like you know how in WandaVision we were all Jimmy Woo in yeah. Thor, we were all still in Skarsgård, and he's just like guys. So you're telling you me that you, crazy? at the time you you shipped Selvig times Darcy? That's really gross, man. I don't like that. Even say that. You ship Darcy times Jimmy, so I guess you said... I can always talk about ship and I say times, because it's, it's always X, but I was going, times. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, anyways, uh, he just brought he brought a really nice gravity to those uh, to those scenes. Uh, my my MVP, and, but before I said I want to point out something really funny, is that none of us put Tom Hiddleston as our MVP in this, even though we all collectively agreed, yeah, he's probably the best part of this movie. <laughs> I don't think I ever agreed to that. Thank you very much. Yeah, I just said that I like He's the consensus pick. He is the average person's pick for the best part Yeah, but that's... He's, none of us are average. <laughs> it's not exciting. Uh, uh, like this movie. Not exciting. I think my hey. MVP... 
is Anthony Hopkins, who makes the most of his screen time. I have in my notes, he should have won second Oscar for this instead of The Father. Uh, however, I looked up who won that year, and it was Christopher Plummer who won his only Oscar. A movie oh. I haven't seen, but I like. We, we're big fans of Chris Plummy yeah, here, yeah. so I guess Anthony's gonna have to win for the father. Sad. I what don't about, know. Maybe he could have won last year for the two popes. Uh, anyway, uh, what about favorite scene? <laughs> favorite scene. Oh, I'll go first. Uh, it's Thor getting cast out. It has to go for what I just said about Hopkins. He's on all cylinders there, but I also think Hiddleston and Hemsworth do a really good job there too. Yeah, I I thought that the bar scene between uh, Solvik and Thor was actually pretty touching, especially for a scene that I completely forgot existed. Mm. It's a good one. It's a yeah, nice yeah. little character moment. Yeah, it is. Uh, there's there's a deleted scene that goes further with a drunk Dr. Selvig and Tyler and your deleted scenes. Yeah, I know. I forgot you about this. You should re-edit this movie. Anyways. But, Forget uh, this podcast. You're just going to release your Thor. But yeah, like it, <laughs> it, it's a really good scene. But no, I, I agree. The bar scene's pretty cool. Um, I think Loki questioning Odin about his heritage. Um, I really liked the just the work between Hiddleston and Hopkins in that scene. Um, even though, like you said, the Odin sleep is really weird, and it is also weird that like Loki's like, tell me, tell me why, tell me why, what is going on? Do you tell hate me? me? And then <laughs> Odin's just like, oh no, I had to sleep. <laughs> you know, it, it's. The end of that scene's weird, but um, and I assume that it fits in the Thor, the Thor comics. But uh, but yeah, no, I I do like I like the dramatic the dialogue in that scene. Anyways, uh, what right. about the worst scene? Uh, you gotta go. You go first. You I'm gonna to say the frost giant battle at the beginning of the movie. I I I'm not a fan. Uh, <laughs> Danny am. Danny's disapproving of me, but I I am similar, but the exact opposite. I thought that the cold open with the humans was really dumb, and that they should have just opened with yes. the frost giant battle instead. Uh, I have the <laughs> forward taking off his shirt scene. I, didn't I understand that, that this is a big part of Marvel. This is I I I am a man. I'm a straight man, so I understand this is not made for me. However. Usually these movies write in the shirtless scene a bit better. In Guardians, it's because he's getting stripped to go into prison. In Captain America 1, it's because he's going for the medical procedure. In this, it's literally just Thor walks around for a scene about a shirt on. (laughs) Come on. Yeah. Oh, oh, and Hemsworth has actually said that he does not like doing this for movies. Having to walk around like... A doing shirtless scene. I think he's made fun of it before. Like he's yeah, like, he does a lot of comedies. I think he's done a comedy where he shows up in a shirtless scene. I think it's in uh the Bad Vacation reboot that they did. I think he walks around, but he has a little bit of a Ralph boner while he's shirtless. But it's like it's not a good movie. It's such a dumb movie. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, we'll just move on. We don't need to talk about Chris Hemsworth's boners. Uh, the <laughs> best moment. Uh. Drew, why did you start here? <laughs> All right, yeah. so my favorite moment was uh, actually after my favorite scene uh, when Thor comes in with Solvig on his shoulder, lays him down, and just as we're we're going through this, um, as as Natalie Portman goes to open the door, the camera's at such a perfect angle to catch the top of a box of Kashi Go Lean cereal, <laughs> um, and then once she sees that the hot cutie Thor. Um, is at her door. She then tries to put it away, and we see the whole box of the Kashi Golin cereal as she tries to shove it into a, a side, shove it sideways into a cabinet. 
Um, and then she's like, that's not the right place for it. And takes the box of Kashiko lean cereal out and puts it off screen. Or maybe like still in camera, but like to the side. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did it, you know what Kashiko lean cereal was? I didn't. I was like, is this a generic brand? Yeah, I've, I've seen it. No, at, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a real brand. It's, I don't yeah, know who it's, it's owned brand. by. Uh, but it's it's they like more than Dr Pepper. It it's it's <laughs> like um it's like a, a healthy adult cereal with like nuts mm-hmm. and granola and stuff. I've I've eaten some. Kashi, <laughs> That's what the audience for Thor. Some ka- right. I've eaten some Kashi uh, cereal before. It's good. This is the nice plug for Kashi. <laughs> this is a Kashi Go Lead <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it is. I do want to say like it is a real cereal, and I would vouch. It's for real. It, like, trust. Yeah. It's. I, I think I've had it before. It's, it's not bad. Um, it's, Kashi it's Go Lead. Like Dr Pepper. Okay. Yes. Sell it to the comic book nerds. 7-Eleven gas station. Cool. Sell it to the nerds. Um, Kashi Goline cereal. <laughs> so, it's sold to the moms. The moms who had to take their kids I, here. I guess. Yeah. Um, maybe. Um, I do <laughs> I think, I do think Natalie this. Portman's character would eat it. I think that that's good. Um, but it just feels strange and out of place in this movie. And just like, yeah. it's it's not in focus. Like it, it's out of focus, but it's still very much in the forefront. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard to not see. Um, it just feels very manipulative. All right. I love it. I would say the next. I want to say mine because it's related, kind of. Because your love, scene is kind of like product placement. Mine is too. To, yeah. It's the shot of Volstag eating chicken. <laughs> it is it it has a dutch angle on it may i point out it does use the that, that dutch angle and it's just a close-up of him eating chicken really loudly it reminds me of venom i i hope that the director of venom was watching thor one he's like that's the scene i want to emulate that's my movie it's that scene that that shot but it's two hours long uh i love volstag eating chicken it made me want to never eat chicken again it worked as the opposite <laughs> of product placement <laughs> uh my favorite was loki walking down the throne of asgard while talking to the warriors three we get this uh this really the dutch angle actually works well here and we get some really cool bokeh and uh it's not a lighting effect but it's just this we get the stream of light the sliver of light that runs horizontally across the screen and just hovers there for just a little bit and then it, it disappears. Yeah, yeah, a little lens flare. Yeah, thank you. I forgot the term. Um, JJ guest directed that shot. Right. <laughs> He's like, this is going to be your trailer you know, right 2011 here. 2011 was but, like the peak of the JJ lens flare meme. Yeah. It was just post Star Trek. But, like, uh, but yeah, that it, was the worst thing JJ ever did. Hey, if they never. Hey, they only made two Spider-Man movies. They only made two Star Wars. Yeah, movies. yeah, yes. That, that's my that's my typical party line. Dad, um, <laughs> um, John Boyega died in a car accident on the, day, on the way to shooting hey, the first day. They still made Furious Seven. They would have. They would have done that. that. Uh, John Boyega, we love you here. We just do. For the record, um, we love you, John Boyega. I'm really, really. Please don't get stuck on a marble show. Really sad to hear about your passing. I hope your family's doing okay. Jesus. <laughs> I love you, John. All right. Most disappointing aspect. Uh, I can go first. This movie spent so much time on Earth. I yeah. get why it was needed to introduce the character in theory. But I think if this came out today, we wouldn't spend any time on Earth. Because we've moved past the need for that. 
it's very much a relic of the 2000s comic book movies where they're afraid people won't buy into it. Yeah, uh, which Guardians very clearly proved and that then wrong. After you know? that, Ragnarok was able to run in that direction. Which yeah. Was good. Mostly just this movie has a lot of like going on in it, like for a lot of it. Um, mm-hmm. Also, the third act is like super short. Um, put, right. Putting third act like when Thor gets his powers back. Um, yeah. Like it's may- maybe fifteen minutes. It's super short. I think it's interesting you label that the third act. What? But whatever. I-, I would say the third act begins when uh, the Warriors three go to Earth. But that's just me. I don't. Uh, maybe. But like, think think of it in terms of like uh, points of no return. Like that is a point. Yeah, of no yeah, return that's fair. Um, whereas the War- Warriors three, they could have returned back to Asgard and nothing would have changed. Um, and like, it just kind of ends. Um, Similar to the 2005 Cinematic Masterwork Racing Strip. Um, <laughs> there's, there's very little dramatic build. Um, Thor very easily destroys the Destroyer and then goes flying away to Asgard. Um, and then with a little bit of trouble, uh, you know, beats up Loki. And then Odin saves the day. Too, and then so destroys yeah. the, the Bifrost. Right. Um, yeah, which is right, then kind yeah, of so... retconned. Yeah. Right. Um, the... What are we on the most disappointing aspect? Yeah, is how fast Jane falls for Thor and Thor matures. It works with the deleted scenes added back in, uh, but <laughs> it's it just all happens really really fast. And uh, I could have could have bought it if maybe like Thor and Jane would have been maybe just kind of interested in each other, but not necessarily this head over heels. We are destined to be in love. Yeah, type of story that we got. All right. Best surprise, Tyler, go first. Ah, it's Odin growling at Loki. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I honestly forgot about uh, that even happening. And again, I laughed the, the whole like rest of that scene. It was good. All right. Cool, cool. Uh, Drew. Uh, Loki actually seems smart. Mm. Yeah, um, good. yeah. Like his his plan is subtle. Um, and like I kind of you know I of course know kind of what he's trying to do um and like you can knowing that you can see the manipulations that he's doing but if you didn't know that necessarily um you may not pick up on it um, i will mm-hmm. say something else that's i want to piggyback off you uh something else that's really good about his plan is that a lot of movies like this which i'll say right now even though we like him i think zemo's in civil war kind of falls into this place where it assumes a certain thing will happen that yes. is kind of a crazy Loki's really doesn't Loki's is actually a well thought out right and you can see him poking and prodding it along instead of just like yeah. it will work um like you can wait they're on Jotunheim the first time you can see him say things like no brother don't do this knowing that Thor is a big dumb dumb and is going to do it yeah but only because he said not to yeah uh my best surprise is something we haven't mentioned yet which is I I have as a joke that the aging software worked well and that's at the beginning of this movie, we see a young Anthony Hopkins, which I assume is done with makeup because this is before Marvel really invested in the aging. And I thought it looked really good. Uh, and I have as a joke, uh, it's crazy that makeup is better than CGI when it comes to working on uh, human tissue. Who would have thought, right? Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. But I, I was surprised. I was legitimately surprised when I saw young Anthony Hopkins at the beginning. And I was like, whoa, yeah, that, that looks like a younger Anthony Hopkins. Uh, but yeah. Uh, and most excited to see more of. I can go first. Uh, okay. I think 
I want the because I, I completely forgot about this till I watched this. Uh, the Frost Giant stuff with Loki has never come up again, not mm-hmm. once. Yeah, I want to see that addressed in the Loki show at some point. Uh, I really hope it is. If it's not, I'll be kind of disappointed, but I also won't be too disappointed because Loki's going to be multiple seasons, so maybe it won't be addressed down the road. Uh, but hopefully it is. I'd be excited to see us go back to that well. Um, I just want to see Darcy have like a supporting role in a, the other, in a television series maybe down the road and maybe some other characters who weren't necessarily uh, as loved as they should have been didn't have as much time in the spotlight. I think that'd the be Justin a really Hammer good show? use of, of uh, the character of Darcy. The Justin Hammer show, then. Yes. And Matt Damon. Yes. Um, also, I do want to point out, I don't think they ever said Darcy's last name in this movie. Does she? I don't think she has a last no, name. No, that's true, because Thor Thor says uh, goodbye. Yes, he says, he... goodbye, Eric Selvig, goodbye, Jane Foster, goodbye, Darcy. <laughs> yes. Isn't, it Darcy? Isn't Lewis her last name in... Yo, it is, yeah. yeah I wonder when yeah. they added that. She, I don't think she has one yet in this. But yeah, no, I, I do. Yeah, thanks for yeah pointing that out. Because um, no, goodbye. what I actually want to see is I want to see Bracing Sharks brought into the MCU. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Good, because good maybe Valkyrie, maybe Valkyrie lost her Pegasus. Right. Um, Frankie Muniz comes back <laughs> reprising the role of a lifetime as Stripes. All yes. right. All right. That's four for us. Uh, oh. Drew, thanks for uh, actually uh, actually that's not all you you forgot what <laughs> what Tyler's excited for. I know you want to replace Tyler, replace Tyler with me. Talk so. already. Yeah. Okay, so I'm most excited to see more of uh us getting eventual Lady Thor. I really want to know how the heck Jane Foster, who got written off as just breaking up with Thor, uh and she's or, she's or it being a mutual mutual breakup. Do what? This this is the ideal Natalie Portman Jane movie so far. This is the one where she actually has a role. Yeah. You know? so, right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, um, I I'm interested in seeing like wh- how Lady Thor will become Lady Thor, and then I I am really excited in seeing Natalie Portman get to do more in the MCU. Hopefully, get to do more in the MCU. Um, yeah. with Academy Award winner. Give us another Academy Award winner. Uh, all right. Uh, now I'm gonna thank Drew for being on our show to talk about Thor. Thank you so we'll much. Have we'll have you again whenever you want, uh, as long as it's not in the next six weeks. Right. See you uh, for Thor two. <laughs> uh, if you really want to come on for Thor, I mean, two, I'd rather that. forget that it exists and just pretend that at least one of the crew members died on the way to shooting. It, it's like it's like yeah, I was gonna say it's like there's only two there's only two Spider Man movies, there's only two Star Wars sequel trilogy movies, only two Thor movies. But weirdly, with Thor, it goes from one to three. Right. Well, what's up with to that? To be fair, they never called the third one Thor three. So you know, they kind of it's just, true. You know, true. they just kind of skipped one. Yeah. All right. So as you know, we had a viewers' choice poll. Uh, there was no one voted anywhere besides Twitter, which was a little weird. But you know what? X Men First Class won, so Tyler's going to be happy. We, yes. We oh my gosh. I'm pretty sure I, I voted thought- for Apocalypse. That wasn't an option, so. <laughs> so I don't think you did, buddy. Uh, it was the last stand was the other oh, option. I, mean, yeah. I would have voted for whichever one is worse. I like watching podcasts. The last stand is suffer. much worse than first class. Uh, <laughs> See, and that's that's honestly what I thought was going to happen. I was like, people are going to know that I don't uh, want to talk. Your viewers are too nice. To... They will probably send you their own copies of the 2005 Cinematic Masterwork Racing Stripes. <laughs> I don't strikes. need another copy. I have one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, 
before we do our outro, Drew, is there anything you want to say? Uh, any goodbyes? Anything you want to pimp? Um, I, don't think, I don't know. Go ahead. I have a Twitter, but don't follow me. I'm a teacher. <laughs> um, it's locked too. Yeah, you tweeted something the other day. You, tweet, uh, you tweeted something. I'm not gonna say what you tweeted, but I remember your brother. Oh yeah, I, my brother was like, you shouldn't have posted that online. I'm like, they can't, they can't, they can't find me. Um, <laughs> I will let the listeners at home figure out what that is. And as you're thinking of that, also think about, think fondly back on the 2005 Cinematic Masterwork racing show. That's your what you're pimping. You're going to pimp that. Right. Um, yes. That's my catchphrase. Tyler has Zemo. I have uh, Zemo. the 2005 Cinematic Masterwork racing stripes. Uh, there um, we go. I need to find a new catchphrase because my catchphrase was I was waiting to watch Soul. Now I don't know what my pet. Right. That isn't even a catchphrase. I guess my catchphrase is just interrupting Tyler. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Hey, someone has to talk on right. a podcast. <laughs> That's true. That's true. All right. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Why Is with Ty and Dan. We can be found on various podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Pandora, and on our website, whyiswithtydan.buzzsprout.com. We are also on YouTube at our channel, Why Is with Ty and Dan. You can also contact us by email. At why is with Ty Dan at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at why is with Ty and one because I'm number one. You can also follow me, Danny Vincent, on Letterboxd at Blank Mints for reviews of movies, including those not in the MCU. And speaking of movies that aren't in the MCU, you should also check out the episode that I would hope on whatever service you're watching this on. It might autoplay after this. I don't know. I don't know how that works. But make sure you check out the Green Room episode where me and Tyler. Sadly, do not discuss the 2005 classic Racing Stripes. We discuss instead Wolf Walkers and Three Kings. Uh, make sure you check that out too. Uh, and we'll see you next week when we watch. We'll, we'll just be me and Tyler next week, which will be will be fun. Sorry, Drew, we won't have you back. Next week. That's fine. Um, I will continue to watch Racing Stripes each and every day. Uh, really, <laughs> honestly, I feel like okay. Never mind. I'll say that one off mic. Uh, but yeah, thanks guys for listening. All right. Bye. All right, we'll see you in the next one. <laughs>